Dialogue. Im Happy New Year. All right, here's our song. Walden, you're on the Blue Network, so enjoy. Take care of yourself. That's the right thing I'm supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. Yep. Good. Correct. I didn't know you All did right. that. All right. Thanks, Bill. All righty. We'll get on them there. Yeah, I'll tell you, <laughs> you got an easy act to follow. I know. You're so good. Oh, Happy uh, New shit. Year, Bill. Oh, how you doing, sweetie pie? I am doing fine. Thank you. You sound good. Are you feeling better? Uh, I feel the best I've felt in about three or four days. Oh, okay. You're in the right direction yeah. then. I'm glad. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And um, how's your icebox work? Is your icebox still cool? I want to tell you, I finally got somebody to help me unbox it today and put it in position and plugged it in. And I had a room temperature can of soda and I put it in there. And by golly, it is so cold. <laughs> You know, I we should have sent some uh, gloves down with that. Yeah. Maybe that would have. Nah, nah, you didn't have to do that. For the <laughs> weather, we're going. We're, some places are going down into the 30s here tonight. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wish. I wish beautiful. we had. I wish we had the 30s. Let's see what what's temperature right now. Let's see. It's um, it's 23 out there right now. Yuck. 23. Yuck. And that's our high today. Oh, triple yuck. Yeah. And it's going to get colder. It's going to get colder. I oh, guarantee dear. it's going to get colder. Well, well but, I, uh, I'm just you. so glad that that worked out for you. And uh, Kim and I just had so much fun getting it for you. And uh, well, yeah, uh, I think one I, of these days, I'm going to send you a six pack to put in there. How's that? <laughs> and I didn't say a six pack of what? Let's let, yeah. Just let the audience wonder. Wonder what he's going to send her. Yeah, right. well, I guarantee right. it's going to be six of them. <laughs> I think I told Kim that my favorite maintenance man came into my room the other day and said, there's a surprise for you downstairs. I'll bring it up. And I said, no, I'll go down. I'll pick it up. And he said, no, 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 I'll bring it up. It's okay. I thought it was a little box, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in with this hand truck and a box. I said, oh, my goodness. I just couldn't believe it. It is such a wonderful gift. Thank you, Bill. And, and You're welcome. And I hope, it, uh, I hope it's the right color, and I hope it it. Uh, it's the right size, too, for you in the area that you have. It fits. We made it fit. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Good, and good, it's, it's good. Great. Well, all right. Well, uh, put something cold in there and uh, think of me when you drink it, okay? I will do that. Thank you, Bill, and I'm so glad you're feeling better. Oh, yes, and, and so is Kim, too. We're, we're, slowly, we're slowly getting over the crud down here. Oh, that's good. Yeah, she really sounded miserable the other day. Uh, well, all right. Well, you take care, and we will see you uh, upon the radio. And uh, okay. and uh, I want to make sure where I got you guys on. Have you checked the? Have you checked the? Uh, I can't check the, the. Yeah, I couldn't check the which. I could, the whistle line through the red, so that's why I heard. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So well, that's me, why uh, I wouldn't do sure. Let me just see what we got here. I'll hey, just, now, uh, I, this, Bill. Bill. Yes, we're on the air. Good. We're on the air. Oh, I know Bill, Patricia, yes. and I, and Kim all want to wish John and Gloria a happy birthday. Today's their birthday. That's right. Happy That's right. birthday, yeah. guys. So they're out and I hope, that, uh, I hope that the listeners enjoyed uh, my visit with John and Larry because, uh, you know, I had forgotten about this because mm -hmm. they did it for so many years. 
But uh, the Rose Parade, you know, most be- one of the most beautiful parades in the world. And for years, they would, they would be transported down in the middle of the night to wherever all the floats were parked. And they say, okay, guys, there they are. And John and Larry would go and touch the, those floats and make notes and go all through each one of them. And then the next day during the parade, they had, I don't know where they did it, they broadcasted. Maybe you know, Walden, I don't know where they did it. But right, yeah, right there on Colorado Boulevard, the main hub, you know, where they, when you would kick off the parade, that's where they, that's the Yeah, because they, they were right there live. Right they there. were live on, yeah. the, on the side of the, of the street. Right, the streets, but, yeah. Uh, and but where where was it? Uh, where did the uh, the people tune in to, to hear it? Oh, that was that was National Public Radio. It was, National Public Radio. Yeah, they were they were carried coast to coast, and they were they did that live coast to coast for four years, and of course the flagship station was the, the home station in Pasadena, and uh, right it and they did it for two hours. And right, and it, and they would. Uh, you know, they would touch the, the 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 flowers and the petals and the and the and the and the uh, uh, the floats themselves. You know, and um, you know they. Uh, I'm I I. You wonder how they do it. They do it because they're smart. Yeah. You know how how tall how how tall is the is this particular you know where, where the people are standing? How tall is that? Right. Well, I'm sure John and Larry know how tall they are. And they know where their how high their belt is off the ground, <laughs> and so they walk up, and they uh, put their hand on the float, and then move over. And if the, if it hits their thumb, then they know exactly how far it is. And you know, if they if it's, it hits the belt buckle, then they know. Sure. And and that and that's how you guys that's how you guys operate. <laughs> and, and 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 you know, there's been so many times that. You all have found something that I didn't know about, that I had overlooked. Yeah, I didn't know we even was there. You know, and you you guys with your wonderful sense of touch, and uh, you just uh, you 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 say, okay, uh, uh, oh, okay, I found it, I found it, and then all I have to do is show you one time. True. Uh, you have never. I, I have taught. Ta- I have taught you, and John and Larry. A lot of things. I'll say that. Yes. But I'll say this. There has never been a thing that I have taught you that you have ever forgotten or misunderstood. I mean, it's like it's like you built this equipment instead of me. Well, just, and just think of it. When you shipped it here 15 years ago, Bill, you, you, you my dad put it together in six hours, and you taught me it via remote. Well, that's right. You you were smart enough that you laid it out in front of you, and and you just and you just said, okay, this is what you're feeling. Want and that's no, all. That's you, all we did. Tell, let me tell you what it did. Let me tell you what it did. Let me tell you what it did. See the box that it came in. Uh, it was it's a uh, it's a Behringer board. Those are my favorite ones. Right. It's, in fact, the one I'm talking on right now is a Behringer, and um, so it um, it's a it, it's a it's a beautiful. A beautiful audio board, and um, the, the one that uh, and they all come in these boxes, and they've got a life-size drawing or, or picture on the back of it of what the whole console is. Ah. So I can look at the back of the box, okay, and I see exactly what you're what what, what I'm feeling. you have sitting in front of you. Wow, I see it exactly, and I also I see it 
it's it's done to scale. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I know how I, I know that it's not a little tiny knob, and I know that it's not a big one. <laughs> so I know, to, you know, I know to, to tell you, you know, here, here's the size knob that it is. Oh yeah. yeah, okay, that's it, right? And the that's the first one. That's your microphone. Yep. And it goes on from there. And you know, I love teaching and showing blind people things. You know why? Why? You don't have to tell them once. <laughs> You only have to tell them once, just one time. That's all it takes, you know, one time. Well, what Walden, can, what, the, what Walden can, channel number one now is your microphone. <laughs> and I only told you that one time. I, I, and I, I have never had to remind you of that in, what, 13 years, 15 years? 15 years. Now, well, now Bill, you got to get pity on the side of people. They are handicapped, so give give them a break. You know, they... <laughs> <laughs> we are. We can create confusion. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You know, I, I, I tell you, I have stayed up late many a night trying to stay ahead of some of these blind folks that hang around down here. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, man... Uh, uh, a, a blind person can work you hard. I know, cause I've I've been worked by them, man. They, 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 you know, and I and I'll I think, and what's so neat about it is I think, oh my goodness, how am I going to explain this? How am I going to get them to understand this? And by golly, it's so easy. All I have to do is tell them once. You know, I if I want you know if I want scrambled eggs for breakfast, I got to tell Kim three times. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. You better not. I hope so, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping that as soon as it fell out of your mouth. <laughs> yes, it fell out is a good description. Uh, and um, But, um, gosh, we had a good time visiting. And I, and, I, and I know the listeners uh, enjoyed it, too, because uh, we all learned so much. We did. You know, and, and, and all you had, and, and, it's an, and it's an easy learn because it's common sense. You know, it's common sense. Sure. And because I mean, you guys are just so practical, and and I have, I have less trouble out of you guys than I do anybody, and I, I have very little trouble from anybody, but I'm telling you, the ones I never ever have to worry about are you guys. Thank you, Bill. Never have to worry about them. Never. We got a couple that I've had to show show them several times, <laughs> and I didn't mind it. Didn't mind it a bit. And um, and a couple of times, you know, uh, I realized I'd told them wrong. You know, I, I was mixed mixed up. I, I didn't mean to say that. What I you know, I say I say it backwards. You know, and uh, so most of the time when they didn't understand it, it was uh, it's because I because I was I got my my tongue twisted. I said the wrong thing. I said on on your left when it's because I always get my left and my right mixed up. Do blind people do that? No. Oh, I didn't but, figure they do. Well, I, well, I, I, I sometimes I, I have to think. They say, "Raise your right hand." I, I do, but when money's on the table, like when I'm skiing down a hill, then I better know my right and left. So that's what I make yeah. sure, you know. I got you. Yeah. Well, I now, as I said, Bill, give pity on those sighted people. They, they need, they need a, they need a couple of slack. You know what can I say? That's right. Hey, Absolutely. Hey, yeah. Hey, one of them is listening now. At least one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, well guys, uh, I'm tired. I, I don't you know, blame I've, you. I've already done an hour and a half's worth of work, and I haven't gotten paid a penny for it. Yeah, and you need to you need to save your file, and that way you have it for Kim for fun. Oh yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because I, I got to clean this this thing that we just did. This this thing we call a show yeah. that we just did. Yeah. I got to get busy and clean that bad boy up. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things I'm gonna have to do some editing. <laughs> we can't play that back like it like we did it. We we don't want to yeah. do that twice. Yeah. What happened that I missed? Oh, just you know, I'm I'm a perfectionist. You know how I am. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, wait. You get Good night. Work. Good night. God bless. Same you. Happy Good New night, Year. Happy New Year. No question. Right. I'm listening. I'm listening and smiling. Good night, all. Good night. Bye-bye. We are live at 714-545-2071. Patricia and I are holding on to for tonight and tomorrow and Thursday. Then we'll get Patricia Friday night off to rest up, and she'll be back in a normal time slot on Saturday. I can only stay an hour tonight. Is yeah. that okay? Yeah, I think so. I think if you want to just do want to do forty five minutes, that's fine too. Oh no, an hour is okay. I get to see my first doctor tomorrow. I knew. Then, I knew it was on the schedule. I just knew it. Yeah, yeah. So I have to look like I'm healthy when I get there. Well, that's why I figured I, I want to get you off before one o'clock. So. Oh. Oh, you're going to throw me out. Okay, Well, I, 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 I Look, I, I want you to have the surgery. That way you're put back together. <laughs> Parts of me anyway. <laughs> Maybe the other ones will just fall into line. Yeah. When yeah. we fix the one. Yeah. And that will be just dandy. Just dandy. I'm going to be a very disappointed camper if somebody says, wait a minute, there's a problem here. Uh, no, no, no. I can override the problems. I always do. Anyway, so Patricia will be here for an hour, then we got some poppies and more X-ray theater to play. And then tomorrow, um, it's hard to believe, uh, it's been almost 32 years ago when Ricky Nelson perished in the, in the plane crash. I saw that listed the other day. Yeah. My gosh. And the station here, the rock and roll station, did a great anniversary on the 3rd of 1986. And so I figured... I. I recorded it six months later, so I'm going to play that tomorrow night after Patricia and I. Because that's a, it's a good special where a lot of people who worked on the show with the, the Nelson family were on it. And uh, some of David's memories. And it's just uh, it's a really good special. And I just, uh, it's hard to believe he was only 45 when that happened. I know. So. I know. We and, lost so many entertainers, particularly in music. Yeah to plane crashes and plane catastrophes. It's true. It's true. Mm. I, 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 I don't know why, but it's so true. Um, I guess we could go all the way back to Will Rogers, if you want to go back to it, to the, mm-hmm. to the first one. Glenn Miller and yeah. who else in between there? We well, uh... and Richie Valens. Yeah, well, it, here's John, some... John Denver. Yeah. Oops. Here's a, here's some others you think about. If you remember the movie after Leslie Howard, he was in Gone with the Wind with Clark Gable. Uh, he was shot down by the Germans. They thought they were oh. go, they were showing they thought they were getting Winston Churchill. And because they were, it was a, they got a note of very important person, so they were on this plane, so they thought it was Churchill. Wow. Yeah. So. So that, that that was one, and in, in right during the smack of war, of course, Carol Lombard was killed in the plane crash. Mm-hmm. And Patsy Klein. Patsy Klein and Jim Reeves. What a beautiful voice Jim Reeves had. Oh, oh gosh, did he oh. ever. Oh. Yeah, it, it's just, uh, it's so sad. So sad. So we're going to have to lock them up and keep them on commercial liners only. Mm-hmm. 
and because really the 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 ratio between I'm not sure how I want to put this. Um, if you fly commercial and there's a plane crash and you fly individual planes and, and special orders and for hire, you rent mm -hmm. them, the numbers of times you'll lose a major airline or airliner is minuscule to the numbers of times that the small ones go down. And that's that's my perception. I don't know if that's yeah. true. I don't know. No, it's just, our, it's just our perception. Now, see, my Uncle Jim, have, who was a flyer for all those years, uh, said he feels more safe flying a plane than he driving a car. Because the number, mm -hmm. the the stats. But I think psychologically, we don't think that way. You know, we, we, no. we, I think for some reason, we think we're safer on the ground. You know, it just. I, I vote for that. Yeah. Two feet, earth, <laughs> they belong together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I don't go jumping out of planes just because somebody says it's fun. I don't oh think gosh. so. They, they are running a current podcast. Um, I don't, you remember the story about two years ago? It might have been a little longer. Felix, he was the one that jumped out of the uh, the balloon 40,000 feet, 40, feet oh, up. Oh, yes, and broke the sound barrier? Yeah. That one. Okay, yeah. yes, I do remember. I guess it's supposed to be an interesting documentary to podcast right now. Uh, he was he was difficult to deal with because he was a, he was he didn't he was he was used to not working with a crew. Mm -hmm. He was used to working by himself, so he was very difficult. And he kept mm -hmm. saying, "If if I make a mistake, it's just my life," you know. And uh, mm -hmm. I I don't think the crew didn't think felt that way. They figured we were all in together, so it was a yeah. But you know, I, I can appreciate his point of view. If I had to work with him, I would appreciate that a lot. Yeah, and but that he cared as much for me, and even more so than he did for himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but he, you know, he. Uh, but uh, in order to be a daredevil like that, you must have no sense of fear. There's got to be some parts of your your sick. wiring is not sick, there. Sick, 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 sick. <laughs> You know, it, it, no, they're not sick. Um, you know, I say they, people who thrive on being scared poopless. Mm -hmm. There's something very joyful for them that they get out of it. My joy is making sure that when they get to the ground, everything is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the welcome home committee. Yeah. Always will be the welcome home committee. Well, we had an interesting day today at the Hughes household. We're, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're still working on the roof here. And, <laughs> and, and, but we also had a, we're getting a new refrigerator on Friday. The one I talked about, half price. Uh -huh. and, but for at least a year, our main water valve been broken in the front part of the house, in the, in the yard. So Dad thought, well, I probably should get this fixed before we bring in the new refrigerator. Well, he called a professional plumber who was going to put a new knob, and the thing broke. And so he had to call the water company to come out. Oops. And, uh, and he said, this is quicker to respond. He, he told me it was an emergency. They showed up in 15 minutes. And so they had to shut off most of the water most of the houses in the, in the neighborhood to take care of the uh, Oops. 
the vow, but at least at least it was on the city property, not ours. But uh, yeah, you know. But anyway, that was an interesting, interesting dilemma to be in. You don't want to have that happen when you're in the middle of a shower, just <laughs> rinsing off, not soaping up, <laughs> rinsing off. Do not want that to happen. Oh uh, yeah. There are many things in life you don't want to have happen. You don't want to hear your dentist say, "Uh oh," and you don't want to hear your surgeon say, "Oops." Oops. You don't want those things. And you don't want to be in the shower when you're trying to get off. <laughs> do you know what I have in front of me? What do you have? I have a list of the things that we talked about uh, arranging for Christmas in July. Oh. And I want you to keep thinking and keep putting stuff down. Okay. Um, and if the, if the family members have some things to list, put on Patricia's list, they can email her at floridawriter at hotmail.com, and she'll be happy to put it under consideration, so put it on her list. So if you got a contribution, let her know. Just to give you an idea of what we had gone over, mm-hmm. and we're not locked into this at all. No. NORAD, the people who keep track of Santa at the Colorado Springs Air Force Academy, mm-hmm. we will try for someone there in July. That was brilliant. That was Walden's suggestion. He's brilliant. Thank you, my dear. And yeah, yeah, good, 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 good. Okay. We'll try in July to see if we can talk with someone in a more casual atmosphere about what goes on when they're tracking Santa. Mm-hmm. And Humbug, I have to find our Humbug person, and his name is, I don't know, Dave. His Dave, in fact, Dave I'm uploading Dave those, we're uploading those files to the podcast site today. Oh, cool. Dave Brown, I think, it, it, Brown was his last name. Mm-hmm. And he is a miner, of all things, you know, like a... 49er miner. Yeah, yeah. And um, he talked with us about gold mining mm-hmm. and living in this, oh my goodness, I don't know, what did he say, 40 miles out of yeah, civilization he, and he, in the mountains. And, and he pretty and much checks his phone once every two weeks. I mean, he wanted to, yeah. you know. Yeah. He's harder to find than Patricia. <laughs> you know where <laughs> I am. <laughs> I don't know where he is. So. Well, I will dig out his name because I know I have it on my big mm-hmm. computer. And Don Reed, yep. one of the Statler brothers. Yep. And I have to find the telephone number for Jim Jordan, the person who set up the Snoopy display right. and turned it over to the city. A coast and maybe now that he can roll up his sleeves and sit down instead of stand up, <laughs> he'll be able to spend some time with us. Sure. And we have, don't tell me, Oh, 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 I don't know. Oh, the switchboard lady. Yes. I'm, you know, I, I keep, I talk to people while I'm writing, and then I go back and I can't read what I wrote. Mm. Um, the switchboard operator that Dan recommended. Um, Dan found for us. Yeah. And um, Jill Brickney, uh, because she's working at the Del Coronado. Right. Which has a huge history. I mean, an honest-to-goodness American history, and I want to talk to her about haunting. I don't know if she'll be able to do that because she does not represent the hotel. She's in marketing, but she does not represent the hotel like a president or a vice president or a corporate board member would. So well, maybe, 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 mm-hmm. maybe we can do a two-parter. She can handle how they market it, and maybe somebody can do the uh, the historical side. Who knows? Maybe you know, we'll we'll, we'll figure yeah. out something. But she will certainly be able to help me. Who find someone or she will help mm-hmm. me reach someone 
who can talk about the history of the Del Coronado, which is really remarkable. I mean, everybody, I guess kings and queens stayed there, too. Yeah. But, um, so that's, that, that is my story, you know. Okay. What's, what, put this, what, what put this out on your list? Uh, are there famous Christmas traditions in, in New York from your home stomping ground? Like, you know, West, maybe West Point. Maybe we should talk to somebody at West Point. Ooh, ooh, great idea. You know? And so if, if that's the case, then we need to probably be fair and talk to somebody at the Naval Academy. <laughs> 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 and let's see. And the Air Force Academy. Yep, we might as well do all three. So we'll, we'll, we'll tie in the military. Um, maybe Christmas traditions in Florida. We talked to Christmas Florida, but maybe there's some others. Um, boat parades or something like that that's unique to Florida. Um, different family members who listen to us. If you got a unique thing in your hometown throughout America that celebrates the Christmas season, drop Patricia a note and give a little quick update or send her a link to a website. And that might give us some ideas, you know, to have them on, you know. It's, it's like, a, it's, it's a nice home touchy thing that we try to do. I don't know about other areas of the country. In mm-hmm. Florida, we have many communities that are set up with interconnecting canals. So you can take a boat from point A to point B, and it'll be 20 miles by the time you get to point B because you're intersecting, you know, going along intersected canals. Mm-hmm. And at Christmas time, they have boat parades. They dress up the boats. They have lights. Uh, they're, they're just spectacular. And they ribbon through a particular course for Christmas. The boat parades have particular courses. Right. And they wind up back in one of the parks. In in the one that I was most familiar with, is uh, winds up in Four Freedoms Park. And it's a huge lake basin. Huge. By Florida standards, anyway. I mean, it's not like Lake Michigan. <coughs> Excuse me. And then they would have um, a kind of a festival mm-hmm. uh, with with goodies and munchies and stuff like that, and Santa on one of the on one of the boats. Okay. So maybe those kinds of customs. Yeah. Well, like here in Newport Beach, we have the Christmas parade, but is a lot of fundraising group. You know, do things on the side. You know, do they rent out their places or whatever to parties to to see the parade mm-hmm. go by? Here's another one for you, Patricia. Uh, let's talk to the uh, Roses Terminal Roses. Maybe during the summer, we'll talk about the parade. You bet. You know, the past the parade. We can do that. Um. I don't know if they're even still doing the Orange Bowl Parade or anything like that in Florida anymore. I, I have no idea. Um, well, we could put the Macy Parade on on the list. <laughs> Can I talk to Snoopy, please? Uh, sure. Macy Parade. This is good. And... Charles, how about, how about the Charles Schultz Museum? Maybe you want to talk to us both person and talk about uh, Charlie during Christmas time. I don't know. You're thinking outside the box. I'm 
writing, and I'm trying to write it correctly. I'm okay. not looking at you. I'm looking <laughs> at my writing so I can, I can read it later. Tournament of Roses. Uh-huh. That makes sense. That Macy Parade. Brain. That makes sense. And Charles Charles. Mm-hmm. So anyone in our family, everyone in Mm -hmm. our family may be in touch with personally or knowing about a special person, place, or thing, or event during Christmas, and we will try to line up as many of them as possible for our Christmas in July. That would be good. That would be good. Walden doesn't let go of Christmas easily, you know. No, I, mm-hmm. I'm already looking forward. Nor do I. To, I already, I look forward to it already. You know. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh yeah. I bet I am too. Oh Isn't yeah. Isn't that silly? No, it's no, silly. No. We're just Christmas oriented. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. We are here at an oddball time of the week. It is Tuesday night for you. It is already Wednesday morning mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And we are live mm-hmm. on January 2nd. You're still January 2nd. Yes. I am into January 3rd, 3rd. already. Yeah. yeah. Basically, we, we, we've been doing it for a month. And Patricia's been really good about ha- hanging in with me almost every night. So, so uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. We always do at the bonus during the holiday season. And so we like to thank everybody for letting us come out and play. And uh, so, just thank you for that. Yeah. Anyways, you have some special idea of regular guests that you like to have Patricia talk to. Um, make a note of that too. You know, authors. If you know of, of an upcoming book or something, drop it a note. Uh, love to hear from from people who like to have uh, Patricia look over something. Like a PDF file, you know, we'll see. Stuff like that there. Yeah. All right. I have I have a birthday person. Okay. John and Larry, happy birthday to you two. You are sharing your birthday with Isaac Asimov. Ah. Who, mathematician, scientist, he was into everything. He wrote, oh gosh, I can't remember how many books can't have been 500, but it was darn <laughs> close. I don't think he's, he's probably another one who never went to bed. Carl yeah. Sagan never went to bed. He did everything as well. And he had an ability to write on people terms for real people and with a wicked sense of humor. He had a wonderful sense of humor in his writing. I didn't, I didn't know him personally, but I don't know, therefore, how his humor showed in real life, but in writing... It was wonderful. He's almost a, a bit of Oscar Levant in him. Mm. He said, people who think they know everything are a great annoyance to those of us who do. <laughs> and, and very pointed. Violence is the last refuge of the incompetent. Oh, yeah. I like that one oh, a lot. Yeah. And the most exciting phrase to hear in science, the one that heralds new discoveries, is not Eureka, I found it, but that's funny. And they investigate further. <laughs> I love that one. So so that's our birthday boy for today. Uh, yeah. I have chocolate. What do you have in the chocolate department? 
I can't tell you two pages worth of chocolate. <laughs> you know, I have two pages worth of chocolate stuff. Okay. Um, for the youngsters who are listening and for any of us who worried about it when we were growing up, researchers have found that there is no link between acne and chocolate. Ah. We suffered, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. 75% of chocolate, chocolate purchases are made by women all year long during the days before Valentine's Day, however, and... On Valentine's Day, 75% of the chocolate purchases were made are made by men. Now, I think that's a duh. I mean, what woman is going to go out and buy herself a box of chocolates for Valentine's Day except Molly McGee? True. Well, but I bet there are a few females that do anyway. Just, yeah, maybe. Just because they yeah. realize they, they, they're, they're, they're dating or married to somebody that might be a little absent-minded, so they <laughs> want to be safe about it. <laughs> or out to lunch, yes. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's interesting because one of the people here, one of, in the um, physical therapy, and she's a speech therapist, mm-hmm. and she's not married right now. Right. And she has a sister in the area, but during the year, she bought little things for herself and then wrapped them up and put them under the tree. And I thought that was charming. Very it nice. It really was like Christmas. I got to open presents. And, you know, she and her sister, of course, exchanged gifts, and they have family elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But for that particular morning, she was prepared, and she had given herself some presents that she wanted. She didn't have to return <laughs> any of them because she bought them for herself. So, okay. Let's see. The average person will consume in a lifetime how many chocolate bars? This is the average person. Oh, 20, 30? In a lifetime. <laughs> in a lifetime, not a week. <laughs> well, let's figure this out. If they live 80 years, mm-hmm. 50 weeks out of the year, because they took two weeks of vacation without eating chocolate. You, you're kidding, right? <laughs> That's okay. All right, go ahead. So let's say 100 bars a year times 80, 8,000 bars. You know, you're a pretty good figure. They've... They said 10,000. I don't know who they used as the average person, but 10,000 chocolate bars, when you look at it in an aggregate number, it's frightening. That's about two. I got robbed. I want more. Yeah, well, you know, that's what. I want my candy bars. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I gave them two weeks off of vacation, and you were right. Chocolate people don't want to take vacation away from chocolate. That's not work. Good (laughs) gracious. They take vacations from work so they could do work harder at chocolate. Very smart people. Oh, yeah. The Aztecs, you know, the um, chocolate, of course, comes from cacao beans. I always trip over that word. Not cocoa beans, but cacao beans that are inside cacao fruit. And there are, I, re- I really did my homework on this, 20 to 50 beans inside a cacao nut, a piece of fruit. They're the nuts, I'm sorry, in a mm-hmm. piece of fruit. 20 to 50 beans. And it takes 400 beans to make a pound of chocolate. You know, not, obviously not a chocolate candy bar, but the chocolate that's, that the candy is made Ah, of. I see. Okay. Yeah. And then I started calculating and thinking, hmm, okay. Well, I, I did some thinking, and it didn't come out as awful as I thought it would be. A person can, can do as, as many I'll call them cocoa beans, if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. Um, cocoa beans from the tree, they can do enough for 200 pounds of cocoa. 
in one day. You got to be fast on this. They use machetes too. So, <laughs> but I did that. I, you know, I added up and I subtracted and I multiplied it and divided it, and that's what what came up. A chocolate bar is low in cholesterol. You know that, right? Yeah. 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 Now, this one really knocked, knocked my socks off here. The Catholic Church once associated chocolate with heretical behavior, Uh-oh. including blasphemy, extortion, witchcraft, and seduction. Oh, dear. I wonder what they did at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> no bunnies. No bunnies. Uh, 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 uh. Hershey's produces how many chocolate kisses every day? Holy cats. Um, a million. How about 70 million? Wow. Everything on the internet is true, but this looked pretty reputable. Let's talk to the Hershey people. We'll put them on the Christmas list. Oh, 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 I think we... I think Kim, Kim mentioned them over the years. That'd be fun to talk to. Yeah, she, uh, yeah. Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm stuck. I've got one phone, one pad, and one computer and two hands. <laughs> <laughs> Let me push this back. This up. There we go. And Hershey. Patricia's the one of the most busiest person doing the radio show. She haven't figured this out, you know. Well, you keep giving me homework. I know. That's okay. Let's see what else we have. Dark chocolate, we know, has been scientifically shown to benefit human health. Especially the, the heart. I think it's good for the heart. Oh, yes, it, it is. I mean, it's... It, it likes it, and it's got so, antioxidants so, and all sorts yeah. of good things so, in there. So everybody who has heart surgery needs to, ha- to have chocolate every day. Oh, I'm here. There you I'll go. give you my address. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, milk, now, chocolate, mm-hmm. milk chocolate and white chocolate do not have any health properties to them. You're not much of a white chocolate person anyway, so I'm not surprised. I'm not much of a milk chocolate. I've always been a dark chocolate lover. What happened to me? Now, Maybe my heart thing got postponed because I ate chocolate. That's right. Now, let me ask you yeah. this. You know, like, when you buy, like, bitter chocolate at really, for, for cooking purposes, mm-hmm. that's what I'm wondering if they're talking about. Cause I, you don't, I don't, I'm assuming you don't use the whole bar when you're baking or, or something. You just probably use a, a smidge of it, I, I guess. I, I don't know. It depends. Yeah, it depends on what you're baking. Okay. Or cooking or kneading mm-hmm. and how much sugar you're allowed to use in the recipe. Got it. Because you use the, dog, the, the unsweetened stuff. Mm-hmm. It's bitter, bitter. You are so right. right. Bitter, bitter, bitter. Yeah. But when you add sugar to it, yummy, yummy, yummy. <laughs> mm, this is good. Okay. Let's see. Let's see. One chocolate chip. <laughs> I don't know how they measure this stuff. When... <laughs> I'll tell you what the the sentence says, and you tell me how they measured it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one chocolate chip. Here we are. One chocolate chip can give a person enough energy to walk 150 feet. Well, that's amazing. So, so how many would how many of those would you have to eat to run a marathon? Um, a heavenly amount, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So I can just imagine. Wait a minute. Patricia, we figured our fortune. We'll invent a backpack with, with chips in them for marathon runners. And so... <laughs> 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 they, they, they are so careful about weight, they even <laughs> shave their shoes to get... I'm serious. They shave their shoes with some of the 
especially if they have new shoes, to take off a fraction of an ounce. So I say it's that important to them. So we can't give them anything in a backpack to carry. Well, we'll 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 uh, air-free chocolate bars. Huh? (laughs) That way they're light. Air-free chocolate bar. That way they're light. They can wear in a backpack and eat them at the run, and they just they don't Uh weigh anything. Why don't we just hand them to the people on the sidelines who pass water to them as they run by? We can have a water person. Okay, a chocolate person. Okay, all right. That sounds pretty very logical. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Mm. I'm consumed. It doesn't tell me what time frame this was, but Americans consumed over 3.1 billion pounds of chocolate, almost half the total world's production. But I don't know in what time frame. Mm-hmm. If it's one week or three weeks, sure. <laughs> <laughs> three three billion pounds. Okay, let's see. Hawaii is the only state in the United States to grow cacao beans. How so, about that? so where was chocolate invented? Was it a European invention, or was it somewhere in the world that created the it chocolate? It was way way back in Roman times. Okay, because I remember. Oh, the Aztecs. Here we go. Mm. The Aztecs used cacao beans for currency. So I don't know if they yeah. figured out that it was a lot more valuable if they put sugar to it and ate it. <laughs> but <laughs> that was it. Now, Columbus brought cacao beans to Spain in 1520. Yeah, I, I imagine the queen who financed the trip was surprised when she got beans back. It's a reward. Mm. Yes. Oh, yes. Here, Sophie. Good old Queen Isabella. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, here's a pretty cool one. Approximately 40% of almonds produced in the world are made for chocolate products. Hmm. Isn't that a hoot? I like almond and chocolate. They seem to go together very well. Ah, uh, yes. But I like almonds. I, al- I, I like almond and peanuts. I mean, Chocolate and peanuts, but you know. Mm, Now, you're not okay. Are you? What do you think of Reese's Pieces? You know, chocolate peanut butter mixed together. I I don't pick them. If there's anything else to choose from, I'm likely to go to the other thing. They're not bad. No, it's just not your thing. You 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 like your your food very basic. In other words, you don't like them mixed together. You like them separate. Mm -hmm. For the most part, yeah. That way you can do... When, when you get something like a, uh, a Snickers bar with gooey caramel mm-hmm. and peanuts and stuff like that there. No, I'm, I'm yeah. not an appreciator of that no, mixture. Now, if you had the peanuts separate in the, in the gooey in the other container and the chocolate in the, the third container, mm-hmm. you would be happy. Yes, I would be. Yeah. Because I'd likely get more of each if you had to put them in a container. There you go. Yeah. I'm not dumb, you know. <laughs> Hershey, Pennsylvania. The street lights on Chocolate Avenue are in the shape of Hershey Kisses. Well, I think, I think we definitely need to talk to somebody up there. I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too. Okay. January 2nd, 1959. <clears throat> Ooh, excuse me. That's okay. <clears throat> I don't do this all day, and when I get on with you or Larry or John, <laughs> I, start, I start croaking. 
You have to help me with this. On January 2nd, 1959, CBS dropped the curtain on four soap, soap operas. operas. Yeah. Our Gal Sal. Sunday. Our Gal Sunday. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm looking at, a, yeah. at another yeah. piece here. Um, Rotor Life. Our Gal Sunday. This is, uh, yes, uh, Backstage Wife. Yep. This is Nora Drake and... You're right, Road of Life. Road of I Life. I've never heard of that one before I came across it here. What was it? No, uh, one of those soap operas that ran forever, and Bug, uh, Clinton Bug Collier were part of it. And mm-hmm. I can't really remember, I can't tell you the background stories without looking it up in Dunning's book. But, uh, can, you, can you tell me what the the gist of it? Like, every, you know what Ma Perkins is, you've got a family. Yep, and yep. You know what the, was was there any nucleus? I can't remember. Honestly, it's not one of those have st- that uh, stood o- stood out over time, like those. So it makes you wonder if it if it was noteworthy that it even was there at all. Well, I think it ran almost nineteen years. So for probably for Oof. a day, it did all right. But Oof. for historian purposes, it doesn't. Yeah. I have to go look at the book and tell you. I'll see if I can dig up some of the episodes mm-hmm. and see if there is. We got, we got some. You know, if you really look at it, we don't have that many episodes of the soap operas. You know, we really don't. Um, even though they start Mary's and Sable, we just didn't re- record them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I have something good for you. Yes, my dear. I have information about ketchup. Would you believe? I love it. Okay. Ah, okay. It was not always the popular condiment that it is today. Dr. John Cook Bennett, in 1834, published papers claiming that, to, <laughs> this is cool, tomatoes helped treat diarrhea, not true, indigestion, not true, prevented cholera, and all of that was published, pushed in a bottle for, to make ketchup and then dried out, and they sold it over the counter as, as a medical duty in a pill. Jeez. Who ever thought? Kind of cute. Yeah. yeah, the last line is by 1876, ketchup had undergone a remarkable turnaround in the court of public opinion, and they would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> they bought it. I'm not, I'm not sure that it did much to correct cholera, but it sounded good. It sounded good. So, so what you got coming up over the weekend? We're almost to the yeah, not, nothing, here. nothing, no guess. Everybody. Has to be booked later in the week. So really, um, what I'm doing for fun, I am contacting different people to see if they would write article for Spurvac. Oh, cool. and, and so what I did, I just sent a note uh, to the Chamber of Commerce of Hollywood, the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and I said, "Can you give me a little history, and can you give me the list of only the radio nominees, the ones that were inducted on the Radio Star?" Um, I said same thing with the Santa Claus wing. And then I was looking up before we called the Brown Derby. You see, I knew there had been some books, but I thought it would be fun, considering that was sort of a place where the radio people hung out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, so I, I was looking for that. Um, so I, I've been making a list of different topics and different things that we haven't really seen in the old-time radio publication in 40, 50 years and trying to reach out to experts in their fields to see if they would write us a short article. And I thought that would be good 
for the publication. Just trying to think, Excellent. think outside the box kind of thing. And then maybe somebody who, um, who um, hadn't found it until recently. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know anything about old time radio because I'm so new. Uh, maybe you need to hear from a newcomer. You um, could. I know you. No. You got. You, yes, you got my. You got my. Uh, Yesterday USA article just to put, just to double check. So I do. Yes. Yeah. Is there? Have you added or subtracted anything? Jo- John. Um. Le- John caught other a mis the, a misspelling yeah, word. Other than the proof marks. Yeah. Yep, that's the only thing. Nope. Nothing. Okay. Uh, right. Bill Kim hasn't added anything. So you got the basic structure. Okay. When do you want it back by? Oh, that matters to me, my my dear, because uh, I'm still I'm not gonna submit it until I get the photos from Bill and Kim. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> well, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, we have a better life expectancy. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. You know, it's up to you. Now, if you want to work on another project, that's fine. But I just want I want there might be something you saw spot that I need to correct. You know, that's all. I, would, I can do that. I can do that. You know. I am doing, I told you um, on the air uh, at least a week ago that I'm doing some listening to the Lone Ranger yeah. and trying to put the, the episodes in correct order. Mm-hmm. Well, I hit a glitch where Dave Golden is missing two dates from his collection. Okay. It doesn't mean they're not out there. It just means that Dave didn't find satisfactory oh, okay. copies of them yet. And I went over to Jerry Hennigan's site and listed out all of the of the episodes in the order he has them. Mm-hmm. The order that he has them matches what's on archive.org, and that was provided by OTRR. Mm-hmm. Jerry's um, listing and OTRR doesn't match David's. Right. So I went and I listened to all of the shows and matched them up to David's titles and Jerry and the archive.org is wrong. Well, I can tell you the story behind that. Hmm? I can tell you the story behind that. Oh. There's a story behind having an incorrect listing? Really? Yes. Uh Uh Oh, Oh, please tell me. Because there are two separate disks. And you had... The, sometimes the West Coast version disks were a low, uh, stamped a little later, a little later mm-hmm. in the week. So that's why the dates yeah. are different. Yeah. Well, the, the stories are different as well. Mm-hmm. I, I listened to a story with one title, and it, the title didn't make any sense. But Dave Golden had another title with the story that I had just listened to. Right. And, the, and it's one that made sense. So... You know, I've I've kind of been juggling all three areas. Sure. And I I think I straightened it out, but they're they're in in terms of sequence or actually title and story, they are not matched up correctly in the little cluster. I think they're going to be okay from now on, but for that little cluster, boy, you know, it just wait a minute, this doesn't sound right. <laughs> oh well. Uh, well. <laughs> just, and, and reach out to Larry because he has both the OTR set and the Austin Spurvac set. So, so if you need, if you need some yeah. shows from that 43, we put yeah. them in your box. Yeah. Well, there, there was one. Uh, there, there was one story about 
the telegraph line having to be laid in a particular city by noon the next day, and mm-hmm. it was such a, you know, they had Indian troubles, but it really wasn't Indians. It was white men dressed yeah. up as Indians, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And that was titled Live Wire. But when I went over to the other listing on archive.org and on um, Jerry Hennig's site, it, it had a complete masquerade or, you know, some, something that had absolutely nothing to do with the story, had everything to do with the that with the title that Dave Golden had. Mm-hmm. So those two I had to pair up and then backtrack and find <laughs> But I did it. I did it. I did it. Wonderful. I know it. Wonderful. I know it. Well, my dear, I think it's time for me yeah. to run you off to bed. I can do that after I tell you that in Finland there is an annual competition. Mm-hmm. Wife carrying. Oh. It, uh, really? They they have a route. I don't know how how many feet or yards hmm? it has to happen, but the guys pick up their wives and run to the finish line. And the one requirement is that the wife must weigh at least 108 pounds, so you can't go in there with a 72-pound <laughs> little munchkin and cross it when somebody else is hauling a 150-pound woman. So... I thought that was kind of interesting. I wonder what the women's rights people <laughs> would think about that. I mean, gee whiz. And if all here, if the woman is too light, the uh, officials will gladly outfit her with additional weight. I do. So I do, so put extra weights in her pocket or something, I guess. No, I don't know. I, I just <laughs> don't know. But first place wins the wife's weight in beer. <laughs> How do you measure a hundred pounds of beer? I would think I would think hundred pounds of gold bars would be more appropriate. More appropriate. Ooh, you couldn't lift that. You know, you couldn't lift it. Ooh, I'll send the horses in. Yes. <laughs> so you're right. I have to go to bed. You do. You got stuff to do uh-huh. tomorrow. So tomorrow I have good stuff on the schedule. And tomorrow night I'll be able to tell you all about it. Perfect. All right, my dear. Get some right. sleep. All right. Good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Uh, bye-bye, Walden. Bye, Patricia. All right. There's our adorable one going off to bed. Because she's got stuff to do, people to see, and stuff like that there. So we're going to play some Luxury or Theater Christmas style. And that's what we're going to do. So let's uh, put dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful... Christmas and New Year's season. Bless John and Larry as they celebrate their birthday. Thank you for Patricia. Thank you for Bill and Kim for running the station. Bless all, all the opportunities we have. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright. So let's we play the lunch while I go get some popcorn.
the Lemon Drop Kid. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Through my association with various writers, I can verify the old adage. To be a success, write about people whom you really know and understand. An outstanding example is the author of tonight's comedy, Damon Runyon. He spent a great deal of his time talking to strange people, strangely named Moose, Harry the Horse, Sorrowful Jones. And he has immortalized them in stories such as Paramount Pictures' The Lemon Drop Kid. In their original roles tonight, we have Bob Hope and Marilyn Maxwell. the Lemon Drop Kid is a business, for our hero is what is vulgarly known as a tout, an alleged expert on picking winners. If the horse wins, he gets a reward. If the horse doesn't, well, he gets lost. For the Lemon Drop Kid has an infallible system. He simply touts every horse in every race. Now come with us to Florida, where on this fine December afternoon, the kid is about ready to uh, lower the boom. I tell you, George, the horse that we should bet on is mince pie. But, honey, mince pie couldn't possibly... But I have a hunch. Remember when you ate that mince pie and the next day you were sick and didn't go to work and the office was struck by lightning? But, sweetie, that horse won't run any faster just because I got... Mince sick pie, me. that's a mighty good three-year-old, has a lot of experience. In fact, he's the only three-year-old out there that's 12 years old. Been chasing fillies longer than Artie Shaw. Yeah, it's a mighty good horse. Going to win a lot of races. That is, if his leg ever gets well. George. You, uh, you think something's wrong with his leg, mister? Think, sir? I'm the track vet. It's a precastinary infection in the pedosaurial area. That's inflamed ligament. He got it from wearing elevator shoes in his back leg so he could be running downhill. Imagine allowing a horse to race with a sore foot. Well, half these horses should be in wheelchairs. Would you believe it, ma'am? There's only one sound beast in the race. Well, good day. No, no. Wait, doctor, wait. Hmm? Uh, if there's only one horse that isn't sick... Please, doctor, which one? Oh, that information is confidential, you know, between doctor and patient. No, but we wouldn't have a soul. And we'd share our winnings with you. Oh, no, please, that would be unethical and unorthodox. Oh. However, if after the race you'd like to donate something to the clinic, we're so overcrowded, we have two horses in every bed. Certainly we will. Which horse, Doctor, which one feels well? Well, if I were a betting man, I'd consider S-I-X a very lucky number. S-I-X? Come on, honey. We'll think it all on six. Oh, and thank you, Doctor. You're a credit to your profession. I never take credit, just cash. <laughs> the horses are coming out on the track. Hi, you kid. Oh, hi, you gloomy. Here, have a lemon drop. Thanks. How you doing? Not so good, kid. I guess people nowadays are getting brighter. Gloomy, the only bright thing about a horse player is the seat of his pants. Oh, you're doing all right today, huh? Gloomy, how many horses are running in this race? Fifteen. Fifteen. I've already given 14 different winners to 14 different and grateful suckers. How can I lose? Okay, I'll tell you how. For one thing, the cops can grab you. And... Oh, don't be ridiculous. Hey, Gloomy. Huh? Gloomy. What? Look. What? What's the matter, kid? The lure? Oh, do you see what I see? Huh? What? Oh, yeah. What a gorgeous tomato. Look at 
Look at that gorgeous stuff in her hand. A cute little fistful of Truman turnips. Here's where I cover that 15th horse. Kid, no, 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 no. You don't know who she is. It's like kid. It's like... I beg your pardon. Y'all addressing me? Yeah, yes. Ma'am, did y'all just drop this $5 bill? Hmm. Did you? It's easy to talk this way. All you have to do is gargle with a bowl of weevils. $5. You see, my bills are all hundreds. Oh, <laughs> neat. Mine, too. I just cashed my relief check. Well, you all must be as lucky today as you all are beautiful. Y'all mean this little old bankroll? My gentleman friend is betting all this on Iron Bar. I'm just buying the tickets for him. Iron Bar? Well, corn my pone and chip my chitlins. I was going to drop a handsome figure in that animal myself until my uncle told me the race was fixed. Your uncle? That's old Judge Wilkinson. He's president of the turf club, you know. He's been investigating, of course. My, my. But if the race is fit for Ironbar to lose, you almost know who's going to win. Yeah, but I couldn't divulge information like that. I swore on a stack of black-eyed peas and candied yams. It's messy, but binding. Well, I've got 2000 cash money here. My gentleman friend to take good care of you after the race. Well, bless your heart, honey child. Well, you all bet number E-I-G-H-U-R-T. You mean dirt pile? No, no, the dirt pile's really got a bloodline out of Hoover by vacuum cleaner. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. And after the race, I'll meet you at the lettuce counter. We'll make a beautiful salad together. Do you all understand? Uh-huh. Well, bye now. Bye, honey. You didn't, kid. You didn't do it. You didn't tout her. Did you get a load of her bankroll, Gloomy? Two grand. Must be a lady butcher. You ever hear of Moose Moran betting any less? Well, who's talking about M Moose Moran? Yeah. You mean that doll's with Moose Moran? Kid, I tried to stop you. You better be sure you gave her the winner. Winner? I don't know one horse from another. I'll grab her fast and make her change the ticket. Go late, Kid. The race is going to start. They're running, Kid. So am I. where we found him, Moose. The lemon drop kid is with the cops, the racetrack cops. Put me in jail, he says. Please, Moose Moran's gonna kill me. You know something? He's right. Bring a bomb in. Okay, kid. The boss is ready to chat with you. Moose? No, no, not here. My corpuscles will ruin your carpet. Sit down. Huh? Oh, now, kid, you're shaking something awful. No, I'm not scared. My goose people just came out to see what's going on. Yeah. Have a drink. Gee, you're a real solid citizen, Moose, taking your loss like this. Why should I get high blood pressure about ten grand? Yeah, that's what I say. It's not worth... Ten grand? I thought you only lost two grand. I sent the doll down a bet two grand on Iron Bar. You totter off Iron Bar wins. He would have paid me ten grand. Oh, uh, come on in, Sam. Uh, kid, I'd like for you to meet Sam the surgeon. Sam is the lemon drop kid. Pardon the rubber glove. I have just come from the operating room. <laughs> You want I should now give him a treatment, Moose? I think that's entirely up to the kid. Oh, I, I feel fine, Moose. Nice to meet you, sir. I, I think I'll just run along. Sit down. Oops. <laughs> Moose, honest, all I got is 15 cents and a box of lemon drops. Here, have one. Oh, but look, I haven't got 10 grand. I'm still making the payments on these lemon drops. Why, if I had 10 grand, I... Making me a sucker can be very painful. Shall we prepare him for surgery, boss? 
Look, Sam, why don't you run down to the blood bank and donate a pint of ice cubes, huh? Oh, now, wait, Moose. Look, I'll get ten grand. Just give me a little Christmas, Moose, and I'll... Where would you get ten grand? Well, in New York. I got a lot of friends on Broadway. Name one. Well, there's, uh... Then there's, uh... No, he's not out yet. And there's, uh... I feel like a Democrat in Maine. Okay, so they're not friends. I tell you, I can still raise the money. By tarting two-dollar horse players? Oh, I'll find a way. Honest, I will. It's all the same to you whether Sam kills me now or doesn't open me until Christmas. And if I get the money, you're ten grand ahead. Sure, I've always wanted to be a man about town, but not in little chunks. Besides... Shut up. I... What do you think, Sam? It is moot, boss. Very, very moot. Dad, I write ten grand off my books. Alive, a possible asset. What if he runs away? Him? We'll find him. Yeah, yeah, I hear you find people so good that after you find them, nobody else can find them. Now, listen. I just... I got some property out on Long Island. See a casino. Oh, I know the place. They closed it down for repairs. The roulette wheel started paying off. I'm coming north to peddle it, see? You have the money for me Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, you'll find your head in your stocking. My head in my stocking? Oh, but that's not... Oh. <laughs> The paper says they're having a real cold spell in New York. Lots of snow, blizzards, but you won't mind. You'll be sweating, huh, kid? Blizzards? I don't even have an overcoat. Don't worry, kid. Maybe Sato will bring you one. Hand-tailored. Out of cement. Brady! Brady! Open the door. Look who's back from Florida. Oh, no. Brady! All right, come in. Brainy, you gorgeous doll, you. You're late, kid. Yeah, but I came right over as soon as I hit town. Six months late. You left with my fur coat. You were going to pawn it for me. I waited for you to come back. Well, it's like this. I was on my way back with your money, and all at once I heard about a big deal in Florida. Well, I figured you won't need a fur coat in Florida. You went to Florida. I stayed right here. Look, I'm out at the racetrack with some wealthy friends, and I get to thinking about the woman I love. Meaning you, Brainy Baxter. Keep going, kid. Naturally, I don't even wait to change my clothes. I grabbed the first plane home. My luggage is on the way. If Miami is fat, how come you left in such a hurry? Well, I just told you. Besides, there's a horse in the second race named Wedding Ceremony. Wedding Ceremony. What a hunch. Couldn't mean anybody but you and me. You went to Florida. I stayed right here, singing my heart out every night in Oxford Charlie's nightclub. Gee, that's great. All that dough rolling in every week, huh? Now, look, kid. I remember how you operate. No holes barred. But let's not talk about any wedding ceremony unless you're on the level. Why is it nobody trusts me just because I once had a transfusion from a used car dealer? <laughs> oh, but I'll do anything to be worthy of your brainy. I'd even get a job. That Florida son is stronger than I thought. A wedding ceremony and a job? <laughs> That's the greatest long shot parlay of the year. Yeah, I just wish I hadn't left my wallet in my new cashmere slacks. Boy, you can't trust those maws. As soon as my clothes arrive, I'll take ten bucks and go right down and get a license. That'll show you. I've got ten dollars. See? Ten dollars. And I'm calling your bluff, kid. We can get that license right now. Oh, doll, I'll go right down to the license bureau. All right, wait here while I change. Oh, my purse. I'd better take it with me, if you don't mind. Oh, Brainy, listen. Listen, I got a great idea. No need of you going alone. You stay here and fix up the place. Remember, this apartment's our honeymoon cottage. Get a lot of champagne and confetti, huh? And just stand there, just like that. Beautiful. All the way downtown, I want to remember you. Smiling. But 
we both have to appear for license. Hey, kid, wait. Oh, no. My ten dollars. Well, he did it again. Help the needy folks put something in the pot. Mm. At least you've got a pot. Help the needy folks. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, little girl. Help the needy. Well, what do you want? Boy, what a sweet little racket you've got. Now look, mister, every dollar in that pot goes to help the needy and keep your big mitts out of here. Just a Santa Claus suit, a pot, and a bell. Thanks a lot, Dad. You just gave me a great idea. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Just drop it in the pot, sir, and save a life. Merry Christmas, sir. Blessings on you, kind sir. Ho, 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 ho! Merry Christmas! Save a life at Christmas. Money, money, money. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Oh. <laughs> Is Santa hear an echo? Santa see a big man in a blue suit? Policeman John. Oh, Merry, Merry Christmas, sir. Perhaps you'd like a little sample out of the pot, sir? Trying to bribe a police officer, huh? The lemon drop kid. All dressed up like Santa Claus. Whiskers and everything. Who'd you think I was? Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer? Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Save a life, huh? Where did you get that sign? Whose life? Mine. Come on, kid. You're under arrest. Oh, you can't take me. Who am I in the store? Oh, now, wait a minute. I'm innocent. I'm just a small businessman. I'm in the Santa Claus business. You coming peaceful or do I phone for the reindeer? No, I'll take a cab and meet you at the station. One more crack out of you and I'll... <laughs> what does that mean? Let's go. And here's the evidence, Your Honor, of this pot full of money. And where's the prisoner? Sidney Milburn? Sidney Milburn? Gee, imagine anybody with a name like Sidney Mil... Hey, that's me. <laughs> Present, Your Honor. Sidney Milburn, alias the Lemon Drop Kid. Have a lemon drop, sir? Ouch. Collecting money for charity without a license. How do you plead? I plead poverty. <laughs> but, Your Honor, I was standing in the corner with my bell and kettle like hundreds of other everyday average American Santa Clauses when this Batinsky... That's all, Milburn. Ten days or fifty dollars. Well, if you don't mind taking it in small change, I think there's enough in the pot to beat the rat. This money I... is going to the children's home. Ten days. Yeah, but I haven't got any other cash, Judge, and I can't spare ten days to put such a hole in the week. <laughs> oh, I rather think that can be arranged. Yeah, but you don't understand, sir. Moose Moran is good. What's that? Who? Oh, nothing, nothing, Your Honor. Take him away. Oh, but, Judge, could I make one phone call? No, I suppose so. Get your fish hooks out of that pot. But my call, it's long distance. This way, Sidney. Boy, that judge didn't look honest to me. There's the phone. Go make your call. Just wait till my lawyers get through with you. Here, hold my beard. What lawyers? Duncan, Munkin, Schmunkin, and Brainy. You'll be wearing your brass buttons at half-mast. You'll be... Hello? Brainy. Oh, baby, am I glad to hear your voice. Baby? A lady lawyer. Gee, honey, what do you think I am? Now, don't tell me. Let me guess. At the License Bureau, of course. You married yourself. 
No, no, no. Now, look, baby, I started for the license bureau, but on the way down, I stopped in my old room at the Y to get your photograph. I like to look at it when I'm not with you. Well, the doorman wouldn't let me in to get it, so one thing led to another, and he poked me, and I poked him, and what do you think I am? In the pokey. <laughs> you know, honey, in the jug. I want you to come down and pull the cork out. In the pokey, eh? Stay there, just the way you are. Beautiful. I want to remember you, smiling. Smiling? Who's smiling? Brainy, baby, you gotta listen to me. Listen to you. My fur coat listened to you. My ten bucks listened to you. I listened to you, and we're all fed up listening to you. So long, kid. And remember, if I don't get in touch with you, by all means, don't get in touch with me. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. Brainy. Brainy, baby. She can't do this to me. Oh, that Crosby's got it hidden every place. <laughs> In just a moment, we'll bring you Act Two of The Lemon Drop Kid. Act Two of The Lemon Drop Kid, starring Bob Hope in the title role and Madeline Maxwell as Brainy. Situation. He owes $10,000 to a very unfriendly gangster, and any chance he had of raising the money has been shattered by his arrest for impersonating Santa Claus. In jail, the kid has a visitor, Moose Moran's special secretary, Sam the Surgeon. Well, Sam the Surgeon, pull up a trustee and sit down. You come to do your Christmas chopping early? I have just come to remind Santa Claus what Moose Moran wants for Christmas. I remember. I remember. You can put your knife in mothballs. I've got an idea. I know I can come up with a ten grand. Oh, that is fine, kid, because some of the smart boys are starting to give Moose the laugh, and Moose does not enjoy that. Hey, you know that gambling casino Moose used to have out on Long Island? Well, that joint, the cops closed a weeks ago. I know, I know. So all we have to do is open it up until Christmas. Oh, if Moose cannot open it up for high-class gambling, you cannot even open it up for a bingo parlor. Sam, my scheme is strictly legal, but I think Moose will like it anyway. You know an old doll named Nellie Thursday? Oh, who does not know Nellie Thursday? I ran into her yesterday. She's selling papers. Selling papers? That is awful. That nice old tomato? Yeah, she's broke. She hasn't even got a place to sleep. You know, it gets pretty uncomfortable in those roller towels. I know. Now, here's my idea. I borrow Moose's casino. I pretend it's an old folks' home, see? I put up a sign and a picture of Bernard McFadden. Then I stick Nellie in there and a bunch of old dolls. With them in it, I can tout the city and they give me a license to collect for charity. Continue, kid. I further figure I can get every mug on Broadway to help to do the collecting. They all love Nellie. And by Christmas Eve, I'll have enough donations to pay off Moose. What happens to the old dolls after the Yuletide? Well, can I help it if suddenly the collection money just happens to get lost? Moose will have his dough and I'll be in the clear, see? That uh, sounds crazy, but that is not my department. I only start operating if you do not pay off. Where'd you intern at, the finance company? <laughs> oh, before you go, there's a little matter of the $50 fine. You advance it, and I'll owe Moose a nice round figure, $10,050. Uh, no thanks, kid. We like having you in the deep freeze. We can toy out in time for the holiday season. Merry Christmas in just 15 days. <laughs> Keep using those blue blades. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
business. Fifteen days. I'm a goner. I could see my life passing before my eyes. If I only had some popcorn, I could enjoy it. I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. Say something, Santa Claus. Yeah, please let me out of here. Please. Hey, I should have said please a long time ago. There's a young lady waiting for you out there. She just now paid your fine. Paid my... Oh, yeah? Well, it's about time. Gee, Brainy, I knew you'd come. Couldn't fight it, huh? I know I'm the world's biggest dope, but... Well, maybe you've learned a lesson. Oh, I missed you too, Brainy. Yes, I'll bet. Incidentally, is this how they dress you in jail now? Oh, I guess you're wondering about the Santa Claus outfit. Oh, I know, sport. You always were a flashy dresser. Now, take off that phony beard, will you? That's not phony. I've been using Sam's razor. <laughs> Boy, you... You don't know how it is to feel free again. Well, you're going to be free for about five minutes because we're heading downtown for a marriage license. Together. Brainy, you're making me the happiest man in the world. And there'd be no more singing for a few measly dollars a week anymore. Not when you're my wife. We'll make Oxford Charlie give you a raise. But I don't want to work. Be reasonable. One of us has to. <laughs> and just think, in only a few short weeks, we'll be Mr. and Mrs. Lemon Drop Kid. A few short weeks? What's the stall this time? Come on, honey, let's walk. Just wait till you hear what I got to tell you. See, Brainy, it's all for her. It's all for Nellie Thursday. Oh, Sydney, that, that's wonderful. And to think that this was all your idea, a home for poor old ladies. Well, somebody's got to help them. I, I've got to apologize, Sydney. You know, at first I... Well, at first I thought you were working on some sort of an angle. Well, I didn't explain it very well, but I'm not used to this sort of thing. It's honest. I'm sorry, kid. I can't let Nellie down. I've still got a heart, you know. Only because you couldn't figure out a way to hock it. Now, the first thing I've got to do is round up all of Nellie's friends. I'll tell them what I've got in mind. Okay if we meet at your apartment tonight? Well, well, sure, I'll be working, but I... Gee, Brainy, I'll bet you're proud of me. Well, I am. Yeah, me too. Call us all on the Broadway just to give us this pitch about Nellie Thursday? Straight flesh is dubious. Me likewise? Yeah. Yeah, but you gotta believe me. And there must be dozens of old ladies like Nellie Thursday. Old dolls who can't get into homes because maybe they rolled a lush or peddled a little homemade beer in the old days. Maybe even your own mother. They never hung no rap on mom. <laughs> When you were down and out last year, who staked you to a new deck of marked cards? Nellie Thursday! Oh, you bet she did. Why, there's not one of you citizens that Nellie Thursday hasn't helped. Okay, then. So everybody go home and get a good night's sleep. We're all getting up at noon tomorrow. Oh. Well, Nellie, maybe now you'll believe us, huh? Yeah, we told you you had a new home in the country, Nellie, and here it is. We even put up a sign. The Nellie Thursday Home for Old Dolls. Oh, kids. <laughs> Easy on those tears. Now, this is a cheap suit. If it gets wet, it turns into rompers. 
don't take it too large. This is just a two-bit boarding house in Long Island, Nellie. Polo field for a backyard. Hot and cold running petunias. And we brought you a few things from Center Park, Nell, just in case you was to get loads. Look, Nellie, they're on the lawn. Why, boys, General Sherman's statue. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Maydak's bringing his horse on the next trip. I would have brought the lake, but the ducks put up a fight. <laughs> well, it, it is an old folks' home, isn't it? The best. We're going to get the cream of the Saratan set. And any broken-down old doll is welcome. And you did all this for me? Every chisel on Broadway is knocking himself out for you. And you're sure Moose Moran turned this place over to us? Oh, sure he did. Now, you let me do all the worrying, will you? Well, it's just that Moose never struck me as being, well, generous. You can't tell about people, Nellie. I guess you're right, Greeny. Some of the bad ones are good inside, and... Some of the good ones are bad inside. Kid, look. There's someone here already. I'll say there is. Okay, ladies, you can open up the front door. Ready, girls. Three cheers for Nelly Thursday. Hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him, You see, now, just in case you needed some friends to play pinochle with her, maybe a game of softball, we loaded up on old dolls. See that Nellie meets the rest of the sorority, will you, Brady? Well, you remember Mrs. Baumgarten. And singing Sapphire's mother-in-law? <laughs> singing Sapphire donated her. Break out the beer, Professor Murdoch. This is the housewarming. Oh. Well, man, the old dolls are all asleep and snoring it up. Not only that, they'll be happy when they wake up tomorrow. I'm proud of you. Oh, it was darling. Now, can we go back to Broadway? We're all going back. Just one thing. Now, we meet tomorrow at 12 o'clock. That's when you all get fitted out in a Santa Claus suit. Oh, and bring your own pots. Let's go, Brainy. Happy Hogan's riding us back in his truck. Haven't you forgotten something? Hmm? Aren't you going to kiss me, Sidney? Oh, wait till I swallow my lemon drop. You know, this way, young dolls become old dolls. Oh, fine. I'll order a rocking chair. Make it a two-seater, huh? <laughs> Boy, I hate honking during smooching. <laughs> you heard him, Brainy. Just one more for the uh, road. Just the lower lip, huh? <laughs> Oh, no? 
Then how come he's always falling down chimneys? <laughs> hey, straight flush. Let's hear your routine. Okay. Yeah. Come on, give out with your pitch. Hey, Merry Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, just work your own neighborhood. All right. Well, you look great, man. Just don't act like you're handling hot reindeer. Now, remember, this is a legitimate business. We got a license to collect. Now, get out there in the street and put your heart in it, just like you would if it was a shady deal. Hey, kid, kid, what about all them other Santies? Yeah, the streets are lousy with jolly old fat guys. Well, put that slug on them. Hey, yeah, and have them start yelling for Prancer Dancer and Flatfoot, nothing doing. You can't go putting the slug on other Santas, even if they're in season. Now, keep your pots open and your traps shut. We gotta get ten grand. Attention, men. Just boots, bellies, beards. Now, go out and load your pots. So, if it's all right with you, Oxford Charlie, I'll be leaving the show tonight. You see, the kids appointed me head sheepdog to watch over the Nellie Thursday home. Tell me, Brainy, what has that guy got that makes everybody jump through a hook? And the crazier his schemes, the higher they jump. A lot of people who love Nellie Thursday don't think it's so crazy. A smart girl like you gives up a job. Every penny any character on the street blows his top hustling donations. Nah, you're all wacky. Maybe wacky, Charlie, but not penny ante. Why, in four days, we've raised $2,000. What? Those baggy pants Santa's raised two grand? Uh-huh. And it's all due to the kids. Just think. Yeah. Yeah, I am thinking. Hey, uh, Luck, uh, you better get out on the floor, honey. I just thought of something I gotta do. Thanks a lot, Charlie. Yeah. Hey, yeah, Charlie. Uh, come on in the office. Bring Lippy. I just got a big idea. Just a minute, Charlie. You ain't figuring us wearing them monkey suits and ringing them little bells. All I said was we're muscling in on the lemon drop kid. If that lame brain can raise two grand in four days, we can raise 20. But, Charlie, the kid gets a city license. The Nellie Thursday home, it says. Okay. I got a home up in Nyack, don't I? You mean we're going to snatch a house full of old dolls? That's it, exactly. Now, shut up and listen. The first thing we're going to do is get... Oh, bless you, kind sir. Bless you. Another day, another dollar. Less taxes. Bless you, sir. Please help, folks. Anything at all. Anything to help the Nellie Thursday home. I've got five dollars here. The little lady will sing another Christmas song. Five dollars. Oh, that's the one chorus treatment. Now, for ten dollars, she'll sing Mockingbird Hill while I lay an egg in this cup. <laughs> I'm afraid Sandy gets carried away, sir. Of course I'll sing. Just ring those bells, will you, Santa Claus? Silver bells, silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring a ring, hear them ring, soon it will be Christmas day. Sidewalk, busy sidewalk, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling. 
you, Gloomy. There's nothing like coming home after freezing all day in a windy corner. I hope Brainy's waiting to defrost me. Sure. You can have dinner with Brainy. Me, I end up with one of them overripe pinup girls. I could have stayed in town and gone to the Waldorf. <laughs> the Waldorf? What's that, a new joint? What is that? How dare you, the Waldorf. Lay off, will you, kid? You don't have to fisk me. I thought you were holding out some loot. Oh, yeah? What's that bulge in your pockets? Chesterfields. <laughs> I got my own Santa Claus. Now, come on in the house and let me... Hey, hey. Hey, what goes on? Huh? The house. Look, the sign's gone. The lights are out. The front door's open. The joint's deserted. Hey, the door. Kid, where are you running to? Out on the lawn. General Sherman's statue. Ah. General Sherman, his head comes off, see? You better hold still while I check yours. <laughs> All the money we've been collecting. I hid it here in General Sherman's head. Huh? I hid it. I thought nobody knew about it but me. Maybe it's still there. Maybe. Look. Look, it's empty. Huh? Nobody knew about it but me, huh? Gloomy. You see those footprints in the snow? Oxford Charlie. Who else wears a custom-made 14 quadruple A? <laughs> Come on, Gloomy. We're going to find Oxford Charlie. <laughs> We'll bring you Act Three of The Lemon Drop Kid. The curtain rises on Act Three of The Lemon Drop Kid. Well, it's nice to see you, Lemon Drop. Hiya, boys. How about a drink? Just pour out our old ladies and make it snappy. Hey, straight flush. You used to work for Moose Moran. Well, I'm going to crawl Moose long distance. He's still in Florida. And you ask Moose why the Lemon Drop Kid is trying to raise ten grand. Yeah, but, but that's so silly. I mean, you know how Moose hates being disturbed. Shut up. Okay, Packy. Get Moose Moran on the phone. You may pick up the phone, Oxford Charlie. Mr. Moran will talk. Yeah, talk to him, Straight Flush. Hello, Moose. Uh, this is Straight Flush. Uh, Oxford Charlie is trying to tell us the lemon drop kid is uh, something less than on the level. Huh? You don't say. He did. Yeah. Ah. Oh. I guess we are the biggest suckers in the whole world. There I was, standing in the corner, wearing a hokey suit and dinging my little bell. Hey, the kid, where'd he go? He's gone. Come on, let's find it. No good toothpick. Forget about him, gents. Moose Moran will take care of him. From now on, you guys are working for me. So Charlie lets you get away, huh? Rainy. I figured you'd look for the back gate. But why bother to open it? Just crawl under. Now, look, Brainy, I can explain everything. You've been explaining dirty tricks since the first time I met you. Well, I have to raise ten grand. Did you want to see me rubbed out? On Christmas Eve, Moose Moran is going to mark me paid in full. I'll be gift-wrapped for the dead letter office. That's not for three days yet. Now, what do you expect me to do? Steal the money back from a hoodlum like Oxford Charlie? Why not? Then at least somebody around Broadway might shed a tear for you. That's more than I'll ever do again. Oh, 
It's you. Gee, I'm sure glad to see you. You got away from Oxford, Charlie. What about the others? They're still there in Nyack. As if you cared one way or another. Yeah, I guess they all think I'm an awful heel, huh? That'll do for a starter. Now, look, Nellie. A bunch of swell guys collected a lot of dough for you. I'm not going to let a cheat, a chiseler, and a crumb gum up the works. I'll listen to your autobiography some other time. I'm talking about Oxford Charlie. How'd you get out? And what about Brainy? The others are still there, like I said. I waited for my chance, and I sneaked out. Yeah, well, if you can sneak out, I can sneak in. We sound like President Truman and Senator Taft. <laughs> well, if you're going to do any sneaking, it better be out of the country. Huh? I hear Moose Moran is coming back from Florida tomorrow. Moose Moran? Bah! This is the bravest page I've had so far. <laughs> he's going out to Long Island to sell the casino. I also hear he's got another matter to take care of. Yeah, well, I'm still going to get that money from Oxford, Charlie. It belongs to you and the other old dollar. Oh, don't try it, kid. Charlie's got guards all over the place. Yeah, well, who's going to know me? I mean, if I go up there dressed up like an old doll. You dressed up like a woman? Well, just give me a wig and a pair of glasses and, well, I, I got by a Santa Claus, didn't I? Besides, I got a great angle. Now, listen to me, Nell, just this once more. Yeah. I want you to round up all the boys, take them to the courthouse, get a hold of the judge... Nothing to eat, kind sir. And I hear this is an old lady's home. All I ask is a place to rest and plug in my heating pad. Well, up there is no dolls now. Oh, but I have no place to go, sir. All my life I've had to scrimp and save to support my children. I've sewed till my eyes burn, cooked over a hot stove day after day. I even have to take in floors to wash. Sorry, old doll. No dice. Oh, please, sir. If you turn me away, I'll have no place to go except to the authorities. Uh, hold it, Mother. Come right in. I'll talk to the boss. Seeing as you're a poor old doll with nothing to eat, maybe you'll change my mind. Oh, you nice young man. I'll just sit here with my knitting till you return. Thanks for the memory. The name, Mom. Hmm? Oh, it's that Beasley. Mrs. Herbert Beasley. I'll be right back, Mrs. Beasley. Why don't you act sensible, Brainy? I warned you before to stay in line or the boys are going to have to Now you listen to me, Charlie. Nellie's gone. She disappeared. Well, don't worry. We'll find her. And I may as well tell you, I'm going to get out of here, too. Any way I can. Now may I talk? What do you want? But, boss, I told you. That new old doll outside. Eh, one more won't hurt. Besides, we can't ever go into the cops. Tell her to come in. Okay, Mrs. Beasley. This here's Mrs. Hoybert Beasley, boss. Welcome to the home, Mrs. Beasley. Oh, you mean you'll accept me as a guest? Yeah, sure I will. Oh, I'm so happy I could cry. Woo! <laughs> hey, Maxie, take her up to the other nice old ladies, will you? <laughs> oh, you're a good man, a very good man. Now, forget it, Mother. Now, run along with Maxie, will you? Oh, thank you, sir. Bless you, bless you. Hey, 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 you nice old lady. Yes? You took that bag off of my desk. Oh, my goodness, so I did, clumsy me. Yeah, that briefcase is full of money. It's all for you nice old ladies. Yes, yeah, heavy, isn't it? <laughs> I do hope you'll forgive me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, just run along with Maxie. That nose, I've seen that snow shovel before. <laughs> no, no, I'm just getting nervous, I guess. And this is the newest member of the club, ladies. 
Shake hands with Mrs. Beasley. Oh, I know I'm going to be happy with all you nice people my own age. It's so jolly when we get ready for bed tonight, we can all get together and match mustard plasters. Oh, dear. Sit down here. I'll take your knitting bag. Oh, thank you. Oh, lady. Isn't it lovely here? We hate to disillusion you, Mrs. Beasley, but this is nothing but a great, big, horrid old jail. A jail? Oh, dear me, but the warden, he seemed like such a nice one. That man is Oxford Charlie, the racketeer. Horrors. He's as big a hoodlum as the lemon drop kid. Yes. <laughs> um, what are you working on, dear? And may I look in your knitting bag? Everybody thinks I'm terribly inquisitive, but I just... Oh, look! A gun! Oh, oh I can gun. explain that, ladies. After General Custer was massacred, Mr. Beasley insisted that I carry this pistol at all times. Indians, you know. Those pesky redskins. What in the world are you knitting? This? Oh, it's just a mop. <laughs> It'll go well with my Argyle scrub bucket. <laughs> it's hot, isn't it? Oh, it is warm in here, but don't you think a larger size girdle would be much more sensible at your age? Oh, I take a small. <laughs> Always have. Dear Mr. Beasley was so proud of my hourglass figure. You still have your hourglass figure, dear. Thank you. But most of the sand has gone to the bottom. <laughs> Did you say something, dearie? Oh, I was just... <laughs> I, uh... I was just saying, I hope you'll all excuse me now. I, I have to go downstairs and sign the register. Uh, the less you have to do with that nasty Oxford Charlie, the better. Can't go busting into my private office, Mrs. Beasley. You gotta stay upstairs. Oh, I, I've interrupted you. You're counting your money. <laughs> Did someone leave all that to you, or are you saving up for a pot roast? Uh, now be a nice old doll and scram out of here. Oh, but I brought you a present. It's here in my knitting bag, see? Ah, uh, you shouldn't have. Hey, 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 Mrs. Beasley, hey, that's a gun. Yeah, boy, what a performance. I hate to stop it. Uh, the lemon drop, uh, kid. Why, you? Excuse me. I didn't know you was entertaining the lady. Oh, save me, save me, you bad impulsive boy. You, you're ripping my dress. Ah! Oh, no. <laughs> now, boss, after all... Grab her, Ashley, grab her. Grab my way, young man. Please cut the door. She's a lemon drop kid. No, no, no. You wouldn't hit an old lady with spackers. You did. Him now. Kid, you alive? Yeah, and I got the dough, 16 grand. Well, it's all set, kid. Moose is waiting for you now out of the casino, and all the rest of us will be out there before midnight. That's all I want to know, Nell. I got to hang up. Oxford Charlie's breathing down my neck. So long. I hate to say goodbye. It sounds so permanent. <laughs> Quite a surprise, kid. Sam, the surgeon, tells me that you'll bring glad tidings. Yeah, it's right here in this briefcase, Moose. I got it all counted out for you. There you are, 10,000 even, paid in full. 
Let's never see each other again as often as possible, shall we? And believe me, it's going to be fun not knowing you. The Gators, I just don't believe it. Say, Moose, it's almost Christmas, just 15 minutes more. Wouldn't you like to settle for 5000 just to show your Christmas spirit? Hand that over. Huh? Well, what about 7500 I said hand it over. No spirit, huh? Well, you can forget my present. You don't even have to... Okay, okay. 10000 even. Paid in full. Hey, Moose! Well, when did you hit town? Oxford Charlie will come on in. Yeah, come on in. Uh, you rat. Where's my 16 grand? Oh, it's all here, Charlie. Now, Moose here is holding 10. Now, let's see. I paid you, didn't I, Moose? And here's 16 grand for Charlie. Yeah, but you took my 10 grand. I just got a hold of that doorknob score. I know. It works like the new taxes. <laughs> hey, now, wait a minute. Everybody's paid and everybody's happy. Let's shake hands and wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Just huh? a minute. That's my 10 grand. Oh, yeah, you're the one. This part's his, Charlie. Now, you'll just have to work it out between yourselves. I've certainly done more in my Why, share. you chiseling little... Lo- hey, what's going on out there? Well, throw them out. We can't have gambling in here. They've got the on the table. Hey, this thing's a prime up. How'd you guess? And according to my schedule, here come the police. gambling joint again. Get them, boys. Get them all. Oh, uh, come on in, Judge. Judge, this is Oxford Charlie and Moose Moran. Get out of here, Your Honor. The cops can't pin nothing on me. No, but I can. I've been watching your charity racket, Charlie. This money was collected for the Nellie Thursday home, and that's exactly where it's going. Take him away, Captain. And I'm going to keep an eye on you, Mr. Milburn. Oh, you won't have to, Judge. I'm turned over a new leaf. I'll never be caught again. And thanks for everything. If you ever want a winner, Judge, call me. Well, I guess that's that, huh, kids? Gee, you were great, Nellie. And you were on the level. That's all that matters. Hey, Nellie. Hmm? Nellie, have you seen Brainy? I'm here, Sissy. Gee, Brainy, and everything's swell again, huh? What are you up to now, kid? You've got that fixed race look in your eyes. Well, don't you see? That's love light. Come into my arms, honey. This is the payoff, kid. I've been chasing you for ten years, trying to get a yes or a no, trying to get any answer at all. First you don't know, and then you're too busy to talk, and then you won't say anything at all. Well, this is it. What do you say? Keep trying.
Lux presents Hollywood. Lieber Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, bring you the Lux Radio Theater, starring Robert Mitchum and Lorraine Day in Holiday Affair. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. Greetings from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I hope you all have your Christmas shopping done. There are only five more hectic days left, you know, and then your troubles will be over. But uh, just suppose when you walk into the toy department, instead of seeing Santa Claus, you become involved with a tall, handsome stranger. Well, that's only the beginning of tonight's play, Holiday Affair. As the stars of this RKO holiday treat, we have Robert Mitchum, who lends his special talents to recreating his original role. And starring with him is Lorraine Day, who we managed to lure back to Hollywood to give one of her fine performances for us in Holiday Affair. And when you're doing your grocery shopping for the holidays, we hope Lux Toilet Soap will be on your list. Women who value their lovely complexions only know they need purchase and use Lux Toilet Soap once, and it will always be at the top of their list for gentle beauty care. Now, Holiday Affair, starring Robert Mitchum as Steve and Lorraine Day as Connie. It's rather important to any large department store, especially at Christmas time, to know just what's going on at its competitors. A job entrusted to a group of experts known as uh, comparison shoppers. Right now, there's a comparison shopper in the toy department of Crowley and Company. Could you wait on me, please? I know exactly what I want. I want one of these electric trains. Well, now let me tell you something about this train. As you can see from this model... I'll take it, complete with accessories. I don't have to convince you? No, thanks. Well, that'll be $79.50 plus tax. I have exactly the amount right here. Oh, and I'll take it with me, please. Uh, We'll be glad to send it. It's pretty heavy. No, if you'll just put it in a box. All right. If you'll take this sales slip, you can pick the train up at the call desk. Thank you very much. Oh, can you tell me where there's a phone booth, please? Oh, phones? Uh, Right next to the elevator. Thank you. Hello, Miss Neely? This is Connie Ennis. Well, I have a report on those 54-gauge nylons. Gimbals and Bloomingdale's have exactly the same shade and price as we do. Crowley's? Well, that's where I am now. I just bought the train, and I, I was wondering if, if I could wait until morning to bring it in. It, it's getting awfully late, and, and the lady who takes care of my little boy... Oh, thanks a lot, Miss Neely. See you in the morning. Well, good evening, Mrs. Ennis. Well, good evening, Mr. Ennis. Oh, darling, it is good to see you. Mommy, look, look, I lost another tooth. Well, I should say you did. I put it on your dresser. You can save it for me. He's been a very good boy, Mrs. Ennis. Oh, hello, Mary. Dinner's all ready. All you have to do is heat it up. I don't know what I'd do without you, Mary. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. Good night, Timmy. Good night, Mary. 
Gee, all those packages. Are they for me for Christmas? Well, one of them might be. The big one, huh? No, not the big one, dear. That's for the store business. Mm. Now, let me look at you. You know, Mr. Ennis, you're more and more like your daddy every day. Mom, does it hurt much to die like daddy did? No, I don't think so, darling. Well, did Carl telephone? Mm-hmm. He said he'd be over later. Well, that's nice. Now, while I add a few elegant touches to our dinner, suppose you run along and wash. You bet, Mrs. Ennis. And keep away from my packages. There's an electric train in this one. I know it. I can hear the tracks. Timmy! I can't help, Mommy. I just feel so good. That package isn't for you, darling. Oh, sure. I know. I know. Now, look, honey. Christmas is wonderful, but but most of the time, it, if you wish for real big things, all you're going to get are, are real big disappointments. Yeah, I... I guess you're right. Now, Scoot. Oh, did Carl say what time he'd be here? Ah, uh, just after dinner, I guess. All right, all right. Hand me a dish towel and put me to work. Now, here's the kind of man I like, Timmy. He gets here just in time to do the dishes. Getting all set for Christmas, Timmy? Yeah, kind of, I guess. Well, we'll go out tomorrow and pick out a tree, huh? Can I really help to pick it out? I wouldn't have it any other way. We might even sneak in a movie if I can leave the office early enough. Gee, thanks. I I think I'll go to bed, Mom. I'm kind of tired. Well, if you want to, darling. Just don't forget to feed your turtles and brush your teeth. Do I have to brush where the last one came out? <laughs> no, you brush around where the last one <laughs> came out. Good night, darling. Good night, Mom. Good night, Carl. See you tomorrow, Timmy. <laughs> you know I wear everybody out at the office with the things he says. I may as well warn you that compliments will get you no place. The dishes. Okay, okay. You know, we make a pretty good team at the kitchen sink. Why limit it to the kitchen sink? Marry me and I'll buy a dishwasher. A cute little Frenchman with a tight <gasps> skirt. What do you say, Connie? Could you give me a little more time, Carl? Well, you've had almost three years. You've got to have someone to buy loud neckties for at Christmas. <laughs> I sure used to buy guys some buttes. Oh, how he must have hated wearing them. Oh, he loved wearing them, just like I would. Carl, I like you very, very much. You know that, but but I don't feel... Now, look. As a lawyer, I got a lot of divorces for a lot of people, Connie. But I never got a divorce for two people who really liked each other. But there's Timmy, Carl. Are you sure Are that you're you... trying to talk me out of this? I promise you won't have to ask me again. If it's yes, I'll ask you. Does it feel like yes? Sort of. Well, this isn't getting the dishes done. You know, I'll never forget the day you hired me. There I was sitting at the employment agency with all the other girls. Hey, what are you doing still awake? Mm, just thinking. Is Carl still here? No, darling, he just left. Carl wants me to marry him, Timmy. Are you going to? I might. Why? Oh, for a lot of reasons, dear. We could be a real family. But I like us the way we are. I don't want anything to change. But we'd be the same, Timmy. Only better. Well, we'll talk about it some other time, hmm? Good night, Mr. Ennis. You too, Mrs. Ennis. But if you marry Carl, you won't be Mrs. Ennis anymore. No, darling. Not anymore. Oh, good morning. May I help you? Oh, oh, hello. Well, I... I... Never mind. Let me guess. 
You came to return the electric train, huh? It wasn't exactly what I wanted, and I... No, I, I didn't think it would be. Well, when I got home last night, my little boy said that it was oh, just... Oh, it was for your little boy. Anything so strange about that? What's your little boy's name? Macy's? Sachs? Gimbel's? Uh, Lewis and Fisher, maybe? Now, look, will you please just... Honey, I tagged you yesterday as a comparison shopper. You didn't ask a single question about the train. You had the exact amount already, tax included. You didn't even want it wrapped. What are you going to do? The same as they do over in your store. I press this little button. A store detective rushes up and he takes your picture. We show it to every sales clerk and that ends your activities in Crowley and Company. It ends my activities in Fisher and Lewis, too. I get fired. Well, if you're going to be a spy, you've got to expect the firing squad. My little boy ends up getting his shoes from the Children's Aid Society and you're a great big hero. Yeah, I thought we'd be getting back to little Butch. His name is Timothy. He's seven years old and I support him. What does your husband do, working his way through college? My husband's dead. He was killed in the war. Would you uh, like to hit me over the head with this locomotive? Well, now what? Now I write you a refund slip, which I have a feeling I'm going to live to regret. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Name? Ennis. Connie Ennis. I'm awfully grateful. My job means a great deal to mm -hmm, me. Yeah. Address? 550 East 75th Street. Now you can do me a favor. There are 47 other departments in this store. Don't come back to this one, okay? Okay. Now then, madam, I believe you're next. Yes, I'd like to see the union suit you advertise. Ribbed cotton fleece lined, long-sleeved, and I believe it also Darling, has... you remember. What? Oh, it's you. And now the size, madam. Uh, for your husband here? Well, I'd say about a 42 or oh, 44. Oh, no. No, I want the special, the 56. Uh, yeah, 56. Oh, yes. This may take me a minute, sir. Well, still engaged in commercial espionage, I see. Well, I'm staying out of your department. But what are you doing down here? I just got fired. Oh, no. Because of me? I was supposed to report you, you know. It's a rule. Little floor walkers have big ears. Well, is there anything I can do? There certainly is. When I was a working man, I used to eat lunch about now. I'll buy your lunch. I'll be glad to. Uh, that's roughly what I had in mind. Uh, on one condition. I take you to my favorite restaurant, and I order for both of us. I'm entirely in your hands. Here we have the 56, madam. It's the only one left, but I found it. It's exactly what I want. I'll pick it up later. But, madam, I... really? Well, I ask you, 56? So I like them loose. Your favorite restaurant, huh? Central Park. A lot of seals splashing in the water. And hot dogs and coffee for lunch. Oh, uh, care for dessert? I've got some peanuts. <laughs> no, thanks. I'm doing fine. You see that seal? Mm hmm Now, there's the happiest guy in New York. And he's never wanted to be vice president of the First National Bank. Well, do you? Me? <laughs> not me either. I just want to build boats. Boats? Yeah. Well, not the Queen Mary. Little boats. Sailboats. Well, then why aren't you doing it? Well, for one thing, the war nipped about five years out of my life. Then, later, I made the mistake of listening to people. Do something sensible, they said. Sell real estate or washing machines or mouse traps, but cut a few throats and wind up vice president. So I got me a nice, cozy job with the bank. Two years later, I woke up. In Crowley's toy department? <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it? Well, it's like this. I've got a good friend out in Oregon. He, he owns a little boatyard, and I'm buying into it. So now I just take any job I can get. Every time I get $100, I send it to him. It may never make a million for me, but it's more fun than 
digging for oil in Texas or coal in Kentucky or cutting throats in a bank. Oh, my gosh, the time. If you'd told me that anyone could keep me for two hours over a couple of hot dogs... Where do you have to go? Wanamaker's house furnishings. Say, do you always make people talk this much? No, and I don't always like listening this much. Do you mind if I tag along to Wanamaker's? Sure, you can carry all the packages. Oh, fine, fine. <laughs> Look, lady, I wish I could help you, but I'm only the doorman. But we were coming out of the store just now. He had all my packages. We got separated in those darn revolving doors. All right, well, how old is the little boy? He's not a little boy. He's a grown man with with about 15 packages. Steve! Steve! Oh, for heaven's sake, What's going on here? Connie, oh, darn it. We wanted to have the tree all trimmed by the time you come home. And I picked it out, Mom, by myself. <laughs> After a double hot fudge Sunday to give him strength. Well, it, it's the most beautiful Christmas tree I've ever seen. You're a fine picker-outer, Mr. Ennis. Say, how come you're home so early? I never did get back to Lewis and Fisher. Oh, I, I misplaced some packages at Wanamaker, so, so there was no point in going back till I found them. Carl, did anyone telephone about them? Uh-uh. Oh, we let Mary go home early. We're taking you out to dinner. Well, you're a very pleasant man. How about changing your clothes, Timmy? Yeah, come on. Let's see how fast you can do it. I know, I know. You just want me to go so you can kiss her. <laughs> now, how would he know about that? Well, what are you waiting for? Oh, I feel as lit up as that Christmas tree. <laughs> Connie, you told Timmy about us. What did he say? Well, you know how children are. They don't like changes. But I'm sure he's... Front door, excuse me. Who is it? Maybe you'd rather I come down the chimney. Steve! Well, where did you go to, a matinee? I looked all over for you. It's the last time I ever pick up a comparison shopper. Here, let me help you with the packages. Well, uh, hello. Oh, uh, Carl, this is Steve. Uh, Mason. Uh, Carl Davis. Hi. Uh, I lost her in the crowd. We were out shopping. We got separated. Got... We met at Crowley's this morning, and then we she went She got out... me fired, and then we started... That's the... how we met. And after lunch, he, he was carrying all those parcels for me, and we got separated in the crowd. Well, it can happen in the crowd, yes. <laughs> uh, but how did you find me? Well, it wasn't easy. This may come as a big shock to you, but Fisher and Lewis never even heard of you. Naturally, they never give out information about comparison shoppers. And then it dawned on me to look in the phone book. Uh, dear, why don't I get Mr. Mason a drink? Hey, this fellow's got it upstairs. I'll get us all one, huh? Sit down, won't you? Well, it looks as though we might have a white Christmas. That's right. Never seems like Christmas unless it is white. That's right. Still, we don't seem to get the big snows we used to. That's right. Just comes down slush now. That's right. It's probably got something to do with the atom bomb. Hey, that's right. Understand they need rain in California. That's so. I'm from California. Is that so? Never rains. I was in California once. That's so. Rained every day. Very unusual. Uh, that photograph on the table, is, uh, is that guy? Yeah. Yeah, and Tim's a lot like him, Connie says. Tim's her little boy. Yeah, I know. Oh? He never knew his father, did he? No. No, but Connie talks about Guy all the time. That's wonderful the way she keeps him, well, sort of alive. Is it? After all, he's not alive. Huh? 
Oh, here, here, let me help you, dear. Thanks. Here you are, Mason. Thank you. Well, here's to a Merry Christmas. That's what I always say. Oh, here's Timmy. Steve, I'd like you to meet the man of the house, Mr. Ennis. Hi, Tim. Hi. He looks exactly like you. Oh, do you think so? Everyone else says he's the image of his father. Timmy, I've got to ask you a couple of questions. I'm sorry, but it's a rule for grown-ups. Like how old I am and what grade I'm in? <laughs> That's right. Then when you get older, you'll have the right to be annoying to kids. Okay, go ahead. Well, uh, what are you going to get for Christmas? Clothes, I guess. That's what I always get. Something to wear. Well, I'll bet you won't be able to wear what I'm getting for you. A camera. How'd you know? Because you asked me if I wanted one a long time ago. Timmy, I don't think that, that sounds very nice. Oh, he didn't mean it that way. Anyway, he doesn't have to get me anything. Timmy, just for that, you can go straight to your room. No. Tim, now you do what your mother tells you. I don't want one. You can't make me. Timmy. Oh, now, wait a minute, son. I'm not your son. You can keep your old camera. Now, here, here. You better go to bed. And keep your hands off me and off my mother, too. Let me go. Let me go. Carl, get your hands off my boy. Connie. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Good night, Connie. Carl, wait. Wait. I'm sorry. I'd better go, Connie. Good night. Go to bed, Timmy, and, and you don't get any supper. I'm sorry, Steve. Yeah, so am I. I come to return a few packages, and look what happens. It didn't have anything to do with you. Oh? You didn't tell Carl about me. It wasn't important. Well, maybe not telling him made it seem important. He certainly went out of his way to take possession of Timmy. That may be why the kid flared up. No. No, I don't think so. Well, I wanted to see the Ennises at home. And you certainly saw them. And now I'll say goodbye. I, I think it'll save us both a lot of trouble. Now, what does that mean? It means that I might fall in love with you. Well, it's not impossible. I might even ask you to marry me one day, and you'd say no. Not that you're not right, but what makes you so sure? Because you want everything just as it is. The status quo. You and Timmy. No changes. Well? Connie, look. He's a wonderful kid. Stop trying to make him over into your husband. I don't know what you're talking about. You call him the man of the house, Mr. Ennis. You get upset when somebody doesn't think he looks like his father. Why don't you quit trying to hang on to something you've lost? I want everything just as it is, do I? I suppose that's why I'm marrying Carl. Well, if you do marry him, you're going to have a little problem with Tim, aren't you? No, I'm not. It will take a little time, maybe, but... But you're not quite as wise as you think you are. Okay, okay, I'm on my way. Uh, you mind if I say goodbye to Tim? Go ahead if you want to. Thanks. Steve? Hello, Timmy. I'm sorry I was bad before. Boy, you can sure kick up a fuss, can't you? You think Carl's real mad at me? No. You just tell him you're sorry. I bet he's a pretty nice guy. Steve, did Mom really get you fired? Hey, how did you know about that? I, I can hear things through the door sometimes. Uh-huh, especially, especially when you put your ear next to it, huh? Well, it seems I sold your mom a train, and then when she brought it back, I, I did something I wasn't supposed to do. You mean an electric train, red and silver, with a, with a whistle on Oh, you saw it, huh? Yeah, but don't tell Mom. I, I peeked. I thought it was for me, but it wasn't. Gee, it sure was a swell train. Well, maybe next year, huh? You keep wishing real hard till next Christmas. I wish for a train till my stomach hurts. Mom took it back anyway. Well, that shouldn't make a big fellow like you quit. Well, I'll go see if I can't rustle up some supper for you. Oh, don't worry. When I'm bad, Mom gives me supper anyway. <laughs> Good night, Steve. Good night, Timmy. Keep pitching. 
Merry Christmas, Connie. Did you have to do that? You're sure scare easy. It was just a goodbye kiss. Good luck, Connie. In a few moments, we'll continue with Act Two of Holiday Affair. And now, here's Libby Collins, our Hollywood reporter, to bring us the Lux Radio Theater's movie news of the week. Exciting news tonight, John. Metro-Golden-Mayer's picture about one of our greatest Americans will have its world premiere Wednesday night in Hollywood. The Magnificent Yankee is the life story of Chief Justice Holmes, starring Louis Calhoun and Anne Harding. And believe me, Magnificent describes it. When I saw the preview, I wanted to stand up and cheer. I know how you felt, Libby. It makes you proud to be an American. Oh, it's as exciting as the 4th of July. There's one fascinating scene after another to show the high points of Holmes' career in our nation's capital. The sets are really authentic. The Supreme Court chambers, the Capitol building, the inside of the Holmes' house. But more than that, it's a warm and tender love story. Just as Holmes was like many great men... He had the devotion of a wonderful wife to inspire him. I think Anne Harding, as Mrs. Holmes, shares the honors with Louis Calhoun, don't you? Oh, definitely. She does a superb acting job, and she looks the part to perfection with her patrician beauty. It's good to see Anne Harding back in The Magnificent Yankee. Yes, indeed. You know, till recently, she's been completely taken up with her stage work. Well, she's as lovely as ever. A true blonde with features like a cameo. Of course, John, she has to give that delicate skin of hers the finest kind of care. Naturally, she always uses Lux toilet soap. Screen stars can't take chances with million-dollar complexions. No wonder they depend on this beauty soap with active lather. Yes, because Lux soap's active lather cleanses thoroughly, but very gently, too. It gives skin such quick new loveliness. All you do is work the rich lather well in... Rinse with warm water, follow with a cold rinse, then pat dry with a soft towel. It's a beauty treatment that does wonders for the skin. Women everywhere find that's true. Daily Lux Soap Care can make skin softer, smoother, really lovelier. If you haven't tried it, take a tip from Hollywood's most glamorous stars. Next time you shop, get a supply of this fragrant white soap. See if you aren't delighted with the radiant new beauty it will give your skin. Remember, nine out of ten screen stars use Lux Toilet Soap. Now, Mr. William Keeley, our producer. Act two of Holiday Affair, starring Robert Mitchum as Steve and Lorraine Day as Connie. It's noon the following day, the day before Christmas. Connie and Carl have met for lunch and, it appears, have patched up their differences. And once again, Connie, I'm so sorry about last night. It was all my fault. I don't know why I didn't tell you about meeting Steve. It wasn't Steve that bothered me, honey. It was that, uh, that take your hands off my boy. But you know I didn't mean that. Timmy's such a swell kid. You know, he even called me up this morning. Timmy? Yes, yes. He said he was sorry and that I shouldn't be mad at him and, well, a lot of other nice things. Oh, I'm so glad. You see, I didn't tell him to call you. It was his own idea. And that means that I that I can ask you something. Well? Will you marry me, Carl? I mean, soon. New Year's Day. Connie. Or are you going to play hard to get? Oh, Connie. Oh, at last. Say, look, 
Look, we'll pick up Timmy later, and we'll have that dinner out that we didn't have last night. And then when Timmy's fast asleep, you and I'll sit on the sofa and nap. <laughs> Is that what married people do? Well, if they don't, let's set a precedent, huh? <laughs> hey, waiter, how about that check? Merry Christmas! Mommy, where are you? It's Christmas morning! I'm getting breakfast for you, which you'll probably never eat. Oh, Merry... Merry Christmas, darling. Oh, Mom, thank you. You sure did fool me. I did? Tell me I wouldn't get anything wonderful for Christmas. It was outside the door when I went to get the milk. Oh, gosh, Mom. Outside the door? In here, Mom, in here. I'll show you. A rocket express train. And there's a note in the box. You put it in, but you forgot I can't read very good. Let me see that note. Timmy, this train whistled at me when I passed by and said it wanted you for Christmas. It's signed Santa. Santa Claus. Oh, and this is for you. We'll open it up. Timmy, for me? It's perfume. Real perfume. It costs more than a dollar. Oh, Timmy. Oh, it's just beautiful, darling. You're surprised, huh? Am I? But but how did you know I wanted the train so bad? I didn't tell anyone except Mr. Mason. Mr. Mason? Timmy, Timmy, about this train... Oh, darling. And I'm going to take better care of my clothes from now on. And wash more, too. Timmy, I didn't get you the train. Who did? Mr. Mason. Gee, he must be awful rich. No, dear, he's not. That train's the nicest thing anybody ever did for me. Except for you, I mean. Gosh, I'll have to thank him. Well, I may be able to do that for you. I have a few things I'd like to talk to him about. I'll go with you. But Mary will be here soon, and then Carl and, and Grandpa and Grandma... Mom, Anna's we don't have any present for him. For Mr. Mason, I mean. I'm afraid we don't, dear. And the stores are all closed today. There's a lot of presents he might like under the tree. Those are for Carl. Well... We'll talk about it later, hmm? Now sit down and eat your cornflakes. But where are you going? I think I'd better telephone Carl. Timmy with a spoon, dear. And not so fast. Connie, well, I'm amazed. What brings you to Central Park on Christmas morning? Because you weren't at your hotel. Oh, I don't live there anymore. So the clerk told me. Then I, I thought maybe you'd be here. Have some breakfast? The squirrel and I think this stuff's pretty good. The squirrel? Oh, oh yes. He's an orphan. I'm all he has in this world. <laughs> Steve, why did you get that train for Timmy? Because I wanted to. Well, it, it was very sweet of you, but I, I just can't let you do it. I want to give you back the money. Some of it now, and, and, uh, and the rest uh, is... Sorry, the train is strictly a personal matter between my friend and me. But, Steve, really, anyway, it isn't right for Timmy to think he's always going to get everything he asks for. Well, for a kid that's been sold on no surprises at all, it seemed like a great idea. Well, he's just crazy about it, and about you, too. Oh, he sent you a present. No. He wanted to hand it to you personally, really? but... Really? Now, how did he know that I like noisy neckties? Oh, this I've got to wear right now. I'll just take this old one off. Hey, Mac. Yeah? You want a necktie? Yeah, sure. Well, what do you know? Christmas is here after all. And many of them. Thanks a lot, mister. Well, now you've made two people happy for Christmas, 
And one person a little unhappy. Oh? Carl. He suspects your motives about the train. Well, so would I if I were in his shoes. I'm marrying Carl on New Year's Day. Good for you. He looks like a nice guy. Oh, he is. I know Carl. We've been friends for so long, and now everything will be safe and secure. I, I feel just wonderful about it. <laughs> You're great at selling yourself a bill of goods, aren't you? Look, Steve, I... You were married once to a man you were in love with. You ought to know it's impossible to be safe and secure when you're in love. What are you trying to do, crawl into a cave and hide from everything that's going to stir you up? If I want to, yes. Well, I don't think you can. Life is going to crawl right in there with you and kick your teeth out. I'll manage very well, thank you. You've got to take everything that's coming to you, Connie. All the surprises, good and bad. I can't afford surprises. Every surprise isn't a telegram from the war department. I should have known it was a mistake to see you again. Then why did you come here? I told you why. To pay you back for the train. You could have mailed it to me. A three-cent stamp would take care of the whole thing. Look, Steve, I came because I... I just... Mister? Hey, mister! Hi. Are you the man who gave that man a necktie? That's right. What's that balloon tied onto your head for? Oh, my brother tied it on, and now I can't get it off. Well, the man said it was very nice of you to give him a Christmas present, and he said he wants to give you this one. He did? Uh-huh. So here. Well, I gotta go now. Hey, Milton, wait for me! Well, what do you suppose is in here? Well, nothing like finding out. And where would he have got it? Maybe he's an eccentric millionaire. After all, everyone who wears dirty old clothes isn't a hobo. Just like everyone who gives electric trains to strange kids isn't an eccentric millionaire. Look, just what I needed. Salt and pepper shakers. <laughs> Steve, not to change the subject, but why did you move out of the hotel? Because I found a cheaper place. I'm going to stick around just long enough to earn my train fare to Oregon so you can stop worrying about me. I'm not worrying oh, about you. All right, so Carl can stop worrying. Look, since I'm not going to see you again, can't you have the decency not to be annoying? Sure. Goodbye, Connie. Have yourself a nice, quiet life. Thank you. Goodbye, Steve. And they're here, Mom. Grandpa and Grandma. And look at all the things they brought me. Connie. Father. Mother. Oh, it, it's so good to see you again. Oh, Merry Christmas, <laughs> Merry darling. Christmas. You look wonderful, honey. And this boy of yours. Oh, Connie, he's getting to look more like Guy every time I see him. Did Mr. Mason like his present? Yes, dear, I think so. Oh, yes, your young man, Connie. We're looking forward so much to meeting him. Oh, Timmy's told us all about him. We're very happy for you, Connie. Now, wait a minute. Timmy's a little mixed up. Oh, I didn't say who... I just said you were going to get married. Not Mr. Mason? No, it, it's Carl. Carl Davis. You remember? Carl? Uh -huh. Well, I, I think that's just fine, dear. He telephoned again. Carl? What did he say? He wanted to know where you were. I said he went to Mr. Mason's hotel to see him. Oh, swell. <laughs> then what did he say? <laughs> he said he'd be right over. You see? I'm coming, I'm coming. Merry Christmas, Timmy. Hi, darling. Carl, and look who's here. Mr. and Mrs. Ellis. Oh, hello, hello, Carl. Carl. Merry Christmas. Connie <laughs> just told us the news, Carl. We're so pleased. Yes, she finally talked me into it. <laughs> and look, look who Mr. Mason bought me. Oh, yes, the train. 
So you saw Mason at his hotel? Well, no. Central Park. Uh, Central Park, dear? Yes. He eats there with the seals. <laughs> oh? Well, did you give him back the money? He wouldn't take it. Well, it's a very expensive present. It does seem odd that he... Yes, doesn't it? It's just the kind of fellow he is. It, it doesn't seem odd at all. Well, what are you getting so upset about, honey? Oh, well, I... Look, I, I can't explain things better than I have, and I, I'm not even going to try. If there's anything about it that's bothering you, it can stop bothering you because... Well, because he's leaving town. He's going to Oregon to build boats. Going away? Boats? So, so why don't we open up our, our presents and, and have a nice Christmas? Because there's somebody at the door. Oh, I'm closest, dear. I'll see who it is. Oh, Mr. Mason. No, Johnson Police Department. Well, police? Well, what in the world? Is... I'm looking for a uh, Mrs. Ennis. Well, I'm Mrs. Mrs. Ennis. Yeah, well, which one of you sat on a bench in Central Park this morning? Well? You know a man named Steve Mason? Yes. Yeah. Well, he's under arrest. He claims you can clear things up for him. Under arrest? The lieutenant will tell you all about it. Get your coat, dear. I'm going too. Oh, no, no, dear. Of course not. You... I've got to. He's my friend, isn't he? Oh, well, all right, but hurry. Well, I I hurry. And you just stand there, Mason, and keep quiet. I'm running things around this police station. I just wanted to introduce you. Connie, Carl, this is Lieutenant Bolt. How do you How do? do? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, at 9 a.m. in Central Park, a Mr. Marvin Fisher was hit on the head, tied up with a necktie, robbed of 52 bucks and some silver salt and pepper shakers, a present for his aunt in Flushing. A little later, Officer McCreary notices this guy. Uh, me. He's loitering, see? He admits he's homeless and unemployed. That doesn't Mrs. mean... Mrs. Ennis, you're interrupting me. <laughs> he also admits that the necktie belonged to him and he's got the salt and pepper shakers on his person. Uh, oh, oh, I see. I made a joke. I'm sorry. I, I just thought it, it... It was going to be worse. Mr. Mason wouldn't hurt anybody. Uh, thanks, pal. Lieutenant, I'm a lawyer. Oh, is that so? Well, if I ever need a lawyer, I'll look you up. And if I ever need a comical cop, I'll send for you. I'm defending this man uh, with your permission, Mason. And with my profound gratitude, but with probably no fee. Why isn't Marvin Fisher here to identify the suspect? Because he didn't see who hit him. Lieutenant, I think I can clear this all up. Well, if Clarence Darrow here doesn't object... No, you have no idea how interested I am. I was with Mr. Mason in the park. He gave his necktie to a man he thought was a hobo. A few minutes later, a little girl on roller skates with, with a balloon on her head came up with a present for him from the hobo. The salt and pepper shakers. A little girl with a balloon on her head. Uh -huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you mind telling me whether a complaint has been lodged against Mr. Mason? What's he got to do with this anyway? He's my lawyer. And he's my fiancé. Your fiancé? Then what are you doing in the park with this guy? Well, I... I had to see him, and, and he was in the park. He eats there with the seals. <laughs> and early this morning, a train arrived, an electric train for my little boy here, from Mr. Mason. Oh, the guy's broke, no job, but he buys a kid an electric train. Why? Well, let's just say I felt like giving some kid a present, and I didn't know anybody else in New York. Is that why you gave the hobo your necktie? Oh, that. Well, well, I had just given Mr. Mason a new tie, the one he's wearing now. Our tree. It was one of the presents she had for Carl. You don't say. The romantic relationships of the parties involved are entirely irrelevant. Oh, I don't know. 
And why did he try to hide behind a rock when he saw Officer McCreary? I wasn't hiding. I, I, I was, uh... Well? Oh, you'll never believe this. Well, go ahead. Try me. I was feeding a squirrel. He, uh, he, he's an orphan. He kind of depends on me. Holy jumping ranger, get this guy out of here. You mean he's free to go? I gotta let him go. If he isn't planning a skip town. Oh, I'm not. I've got a room, 220 Christopher Street. Oh, now you got a room. Well, just till I earn railroad fare, I've got a job out in Oregon. Well, why don't you touch the counselor for your fare? I bet he'd be glad to get you a ticket just to get rid of you. Now look, Lieutenant. Yeah, you look. This case is dismissed. Go on home. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Believe it or not, Steve... It only looked like I was trying to send you to the chair. <laughs> you did fine, thanks. And uh, why don't you let me advance you that train fare? Uh, much obliged, Carl, but I couldn't think of it. Why can't Steve come home with us now, Mom? And, and have dinner with us? Well, uh, I'm sure he has plans of his own, dear. But how could he? He said he didn't know anybody but me. And besides, it costs a lot of money to eat in restaurants. Uh, thanks, Timmy. I'd love to, but I really can't. But, but why, Steve? Well, because I, um... Yes? Okay, I'll, I'll come. <laughs> and now, if no one has any objections, I'm going to make a little speech. I eat too much turkey. <laughs> yeah, so did I, but I'm going to make a speech just the same. Well, uh, just a toast, I guess. All right. <laughs> to you, Mother, and to the 35 years you've given to me. Every one of them good. Even the bad ones, because you were with me. Oh, why, Henry? Carl, just be as happy with Connie as I've been with Mother, that's all. No, no, Mr. Ennis, that's not all. This has been the happiest Christmas of my life. From now on, I'll have a wife and son, and if Connie will let me share them, a mother-in-law and a father-in-law. And you, Steve, well, we all wish you luck in your new job in Oregon, and we're happy that you're not alone this Christmas, but with us. Thank yes, you. yes, Thank indeed. You. Now it's your turn, Steve. You've got to say something, too. No, I, I passed, Timmy. I'm too full. But that's not fair. You, you have to say something. Well, you've all been very kind to me. You've taken me in, given me a great dinner, and there's really nothing for me to say except uh, after we've had dessert, of course, except thank you and goodbye. That's all I was going to say, but, well, you asked for it. Connie, I think Carl's one of the swellest guys I could ever hope to meet. Well, here, here. But I think you ought to marry me. Uh, I think we'd better go in the kitchen, Father. Oh, oh, yes, yes, the dessert and, and, and coffee. Uh, honestly, Mr. Ennis, I don't think anybody wants that just now. Maybe it's wrong of me to speak this way in front of Timmy, but I don't see how it can do a boy any harm to know that two men love his mother. Maybe it's bad taste to speak in front of Carl, but would it be better if I sneaked around and tried to get Connie behind the kitchen stove? I don't think so. And if you think this is biting the hand that fed me, then look at my problem. I've walked out of Connie's life a couple of times now, and... Each time, something brings me back. Lost packages, a train, a cop, accidents. I'm afraid I can't keep counting on accidents. If I walk out now, I'm sunk. I'll never see her again. The way I figure it, when a man's in love with a girl, he's got a right to ask her to marry him. Any girl. Anybody's girl. What do you say, Connie? I think you'd better get your hat and coat. Fair answer to a fair question. 
And I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. And that's that. Yes, dear. And that's that. In a few moments, we'll bring you Act Three of Holiday Affair. I chose our guest tonight because we always like to see effort and sustained hard work pay off. Miss Kay Christopher, our charming starlet, is an Illinois girl, a graduate of Northwestern University. Of course, you majored in dramatics, Kay. Oh, of course, Mr. Keeley. And I had two summer sessions at the University of Iowa. You know, they have a very splendid dramatic workshop there. So when you came to Hollywood, you weren't exactly a novice. Well, that's what I thought at the time, but goodness, what an ordeal my first screen part turned out to be. Especially the day the director got so angry when I just couldn't seem to get a scene just right. <laughs> yes, but you've been in many pictures since, so, well, you weren't too discouraged. Oh, my, no. It, as a matter of fact, it, it made me much more determined. Oh, and incidentally, Mr. Keeley, Faith Domerg, who stars in RKO's Vendetta, spent years of study before she even attempted a screen role. Oh, she's a terrific actress, and very beautiful besides. You know, she seems just right for the intensely dramatic part she plays. A proud young Corsican girl bent on the revenge of her father's murder. You know, Vendetta fairly seethes with human emotions. And Faith Domerg has that dark, exciting kind of beauty that's just right in the mood of the story. Oh, and how gorgeous she is in those close-ups. Everyone will agree with you there, Kay. Her dark hair and eyes certainly set off that luxe complexion of her. Yes, Mr. Kennedy, Faith is a luxe girl, like most Hollywood stars. And I certainly would neglect my daily luxe soap facial. And for a luxurious beauty bath, of course, the bath-sized cake is just wonderful. Yes, that big bath size makes a hit with women everywhere. The lather is so rich and creamy, even in hardest water. It's active lather, you know, that leaves skin feeling extra soft and smooth. And that fragrance is so delightful, just like spring flowers. A really subtle perfume that's a, a blend of many costly flower fragrances. Thank you, Miss Kay Christopher, for being here tonight. Now, here's a suggestion to all the ladies in our audience. Try Lux Toilet Soap in the generous satin-smooth bath size. Depend on it for all over Lux loveliness, as famous screen stars do. Put this luxurious soap on your shopping list tomorrow. It makes a fine gift to slip in a Christmas stocking. Remember, nine out of ten screen stars use fragrant white Lux Toilet Soap. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Curtain rises on Act Three of Holiday Affair, starring Robert Mitchum as Steve and Lorraine Day as Connie. Well, it's the day after Christmas. Santa Claus has come and gone, and so has Steve Mason. And in Crowley's department store, a small boy with a large box has struggled through the crowds to Mr. Crowley's office. 
Mr. Crowley. Oh, I beg your pardon, Mr. Crowley. Emily, don't you know I'm listening to our radio program? Yes, Mr. Crowley, but I... This is Crowley and Company's meditation hour. Five minutes more of this and I'll be fast asleep. I'm sorry, sir, but one of our customers wants to see you. Nothing doing. I hate customers. Well, I, I think you'll want to see this one. He's roughly seven years old. He seems to be in a lot of trouble. Well, uh, turn off the radio and send him in, Emily. Come on in, Timothy. That's Mr. Crowley behind that desk. Ah, young man. You have something in the box, I see. Possibly some belated Christmas gift for me? No, sir. It's an electric train. Oh, is that so? Well, I hope it hasn't proved unsatisfactory. Well, I, I got two of them for Christmas. So please, can I have my money back? Well, now, let me see that train. What's this? What's this? It, it got broken in the elevator, but I didn't do it. Honest. No dramatics, boys. No dramatics. I hate dramatics. So you got two trains for Christmas, huh? No, no, no. I'll tell you the truth. Oh? I only got this one train for Christmas. Steve got for me. He's my friend. And he's real poor and he hasn't got a job and... And he shouldn't have spent his money, and I want to give it back to him. No, 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 no tears, boy. It gets me all squishy, you know. Yes, sir. Uh, just tell me this tale of woe from the beginning, huh? Well, well, I, I guess it all started with my mother. Her name is Mrs. Ennis, and, and she worked for Fisher and Lewis. <laughs> She's a comparison shopper. Whoops. Uh, anyway, she came here to yours. Connie, darling, please get hold of yourself. We've done everything we can. But Carl, Timmy's been gone for hours now. Oh, where could he be? What could have happened to him? Now, honey, you just can't go to pieces like this. The police have a full description of him. Why, he's probably What just... about the hospitals? What if there's been an accident? But there's and... been no report of an accident. Oh, Connie, now look, darling, it won't do any good just standing here and staring out of the window... Look, I'll go out again. Now, you can either come with me or... Or better yet... Carl, it, hmm? Carl, look. Down there on the street. Oh, that... That's Timmy. Getting out of that car. But who's that man? And look, a chauffeur. Timmy! Timmy! Mom! Mom, I'm back! Timmy! Oh, darling. Darling, are you all right? Well, sure. Where have you been all afternoon? And who was the man in that car? Mr. Crowley, he's nice. He said he had a, wish he had a boy just like me instead of just his mother-in-law. Mr. Crowley? You mean Mr. Crowley from Crowley's department store? Yeah. But that's miles from here, way downtown. I know. I almost got run over him twice. Run over and killed twice. Oh, Timmy. Oh, it's okay. I didn't. But why did you go to Crowley's? I... I took my train back. Oh, but why, honey? You, you loved it so... Oh, my poor baby. It cost too much. Steve hasn't got a job, and, and Mr. Crowley gave me the money back. Will you give the money to Steve, Mom? Please, Mom, he needs it. Well, well, we don't know where he lives, Jimmy. 220 Christopher Street. Remember? He said so in the police station. And tell him I didn't take the train back because I didn't like it. We'll tell him, sweetheart. Oh, Carl, all of a sudden, I've got a big grown-up boy. Well, this is it, honey. 
220 Christopher Street. Carl, you give him the money. I, I think I, I'd better wait out here. You do? Connie, Connie, let's have a talk for a minute, huh? Hmm? In the case of Connie Ennis versus Carl Davis, I'd like to offer certain facts and evidence. I don't understand. The party of the first part, Connie Ennis, although loved by the party of the second part for three long years, successfully did avoid the idea of marriage between them. However, upon the entrance of a stranger into her life, said Connie Ennis, did immediately and suddenly consent to this marriage. But there's no possible connection between... Since meeting the stranger, Connie Ennis, normally calm and frank, becomes nervous and evasive. Carla, I don't think I like it. And upon a proposal of marriage from the stranger, a thing rarely insulting to women, she becomes outraged and orders him from her home. Well, for your sake, I, I couldn't... Nevertheless, have... having heard his address but once, she remembers it. Yet she's fearful of seeing him again. I don't know why you're saying these things. It's my business to recognize facts, Connie. I'm a lawyer. And in six days, I'll be a lawyer's wife. Will you? You know, I have a sneaking suspicion I ought to see if somewhere there isn't a girl who might be in love with me. Even a dumb, frowsy blonde who slops up the house and feeds me on canned beans. Carl! Now, go on, go on in and give him the money. I'll wait five minutes. And if you don't find more interesting company, well, then we still have a date for dinner. You're a wonderful person, Carl. Yeah, yeah. Compliments will get you no place. Come on in. Oh, it's you. Well, sit down. I'm just putting a pot of coffee on the burner. Thank you, but I'm... Oh, wait. I'll close the door. Uh, the, the landlady said to keep the door open. Uh, let's worry you, huh? I have $79.50, plus tax, that belongs to you. You know, I'm going to get sore if people don't quit chasing me around trying to give me money. Well, this is from T Timmy. He took the train back to Crowley's. All by himself. But why would he do that? I thought he was crazy about it. Oh, he was. But he wants you to have the money. <laughs> what a kid. Everything else all right? Well, everything else is, is fine. Well, and it looks like a happy new year all around, huh? Mm -hmm. I can shake myself loose from this penthouse, grab the first cheap train to Oregon, and you and Carl will be getting set for your honeymoon. Carl and, and I are not getting married. Oh? Well... I guess that's my cue to propose again. But I'm not going to. Nobody asked you to. Wouldn't you like to know why? Not particularly. Well, I'll tell you anyway. Carl isn't the, the real threat to me, Connie. Maybe I'm not to him either. This isn't two fellas and a girl, you know. This is two fellas, a girl, and her husband. I can't fight a shadow. I tried. The competition's too tough. You were even going to play it safe and settle for someone you didn't love so you wouldn't be unfaithful to your husband. Oh, you're always so wrong about me. I have a wonderful memory of a husband and a marriage. You're trying to take it away from me. Nobody wants to do that. I don't, and I'm sure Carl doesn't. All anybody wants is for you to live in the present and not be afraid of the future. To quit pretending that something that's dead is still alive. All right, if it'll make you any happier. I want everything just the way it is. Mrs. Status Quo. Just Timmy and I, no changes. And all I want is a girl who'll drop everything and run to me, no matter what the score is. Well, maybe you'll find her, Steve. Goodbye. Here we go again. Always saying goodbye. I hope you'll find what you're looking for, Connie. Yes, and maybe something you're not looking for. Good luck. Well, 
I'm back, Carl. Well, what happened? It seems everybody wants a frowsy blonde this year. Guess I'm just not the type. Didn't you even put up a fight? Oh, Carl, please take me home. Sure. Sure, honey, I'll take you home. A brand new New Year, huh, Mom? That's right, darling. But if we don't stop talking, I'm going to be late for my party. Mom, what did that telegram say before? Oh, just Happy New Year, dear. From Grandpa and Grandma? Well, no, it, it was from Steve. Now, where's my lipstick? Here, I, I guess I had it. I was drawing some pictures. Oh, fine. Is that all the telegram said? It said that he'll be wishing us a Happy New Year tonight on the train. He's finally going to Oregon. Now, go to bed when Mary tells you, dear. Where's the party, Mom? Russ and Harriet? Mm -hmm. Going alone, huh? You don't have any fun anymore, huh? Well, I've got you, haven't I? You're my fella. Oh, sure, but heck, I'll be running out and getting married pretty soon. <laughs> well, not tomorrow, anyway. But when I do, you'll be all alone. I mean, uh, what if I move away? Well, where do you have in mind? Cairo or, or Baghdad? Oh, there's lots of places. Oregon, for instance. Of course, I'd write you a lot, but what I mean is... I know exactly what you mean. Boy, when you start growing up, you don't waste any time, do you? What are you thinking about, Mom? Well, since your plans are all made, maybe I ought to be thinking about my future. Come on, young man. You and I have things to do. Huh? But I don't get it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you all about it later. On our way to the station. The railroad station? But I still don't get it. Is there a Mr. Mason in this car? Mr. Mason, please. Steve Mason. Oh, yes, Conductor? Uh, I have a note for you. For me? Oh, thanks. Uh, we hope you like surprises, too, Connie and Timmy. Car 269, Mr. Mason, Section D. Thank you. Steve. Well, uh, I dropped everything, darling. I ran. Gee, Steve. The real train's even better than an electric train. Connie and Timmy. Well, what do you know? Uh, look out the window, Timmy. You uh, may see something interesting. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. Can I turn around now? Are you through kissing? Uh-oh. The curtain falls on Holiday Affair, and all our thanks to our stars for making this such a happy occasion. Robert Mitchum and Lorraine Day. Well, Bob, I suppose you're all set to play Santa to your two boys. I sure am, Bill. But they're growing up awfully fast, you know. Jim's nine and Chris is seven. They're regular giants. Giants? Did you say giants? 
You're speaking of the men I love. <laughs> Lorraine, you literally live for the New York Giants, don't you? Yes, Bill, from spring training through the baseball season. But that goes from March clear through September. You ought to play on the team. <laughs> Just a minute, Bob. Our season goes through October. Next year, the Giants will be playing in the World Series. Oh. My, 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 such faith. <laughs> you know, I bet she believes in Santa Claus. I bet she does, too. I certainly do. I have the New York Giants and Leo DeRocher. And what do you have? Well, you can have Leo. I have Jane Russell in our new R RKO picture, His Kind of Woman. <laughs> well, to each his own. How about your children, Lorraine? I suspect they're Giant fans. Well, my boy Chris certainly is. He has a miniature giant suit and Leo DeRocher's number on the back of it. Oh, how about your little girl, Michelle? Oh, she's a Lux toilet soap fan, just like her mother. I tell her that if she uses it faithfully, she might be a starlet someday. I'll bet on that. You know, the only thing that impressed my kids is that I was in a hop-along Cassidy picture once. Now they want him for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know they're all set to get wonderful presents. And we have one for them, too. Because next week, on Christmas night, we're presenting a storybook classic that grown-ups love as much as their children do. The wonderful tale that Metro-Golden-Mayer turned into an enchanting musical, The Wizard of Oz. And as our star, playing her original role, the one and only Judy Garland. I'm sure you'll agree it's a wonderful Christmas present. Yes, Bill, everyone will certainly love that. Good night. Good night, Bill. Good night and Merry Christmas. Santa Claus is on his way. And here's a wonderful new idea for helping him trim your Christmas tree. Make a snow-like frosting with Lux Flakes. Your tree, your, your table decorations, too, will look as if they're covered with freshly fallen snow. It's easy to make, and even the children can put it on. Wonderfully inexpensive, too. Frost your tree before you put on lights and other trimmings. Christmas snow dries in a few hours, lasts as long as the tree. To make it, here's all you do. Just add two cups of lukewarm water to a box of Lux Flakes, whipped to a creamy consistency. Spread handfuls along the branches of your tree with your fingers. Buy an extra box of Lux Flakes tomorrow to trim your tree. Your dealer has complete printed directions for making Christmas snow with Lux Flakes. Tonight is the beginning of Christmas week, a joyful time for renewing old friendships, strengthening family ties, and the American freedom to worship in your church. Our wish is not only for our America, but for the world that soon the age-old promise will be fulfilled, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. On behalf of Lieber Brothers Company and all of us here in the Lux Radio Theater, may I wish all of you a joyous Christmas. Lieber Brothers Company, the makers of Lux Toilet Soap, join me in inviting you to be with us again next Monday evening when the Lux Radio Theater presents Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz. This is William Keeley bidding you good night. Heard in our cast tonight were Gordon Gebert as Timmy and Wally Mayer as Carl. 
Our play was adapted by S.H. Barnett, and our music was directed by Rudy Schrager. This is your announcer, John Milton Kennedy, reminding you to join us again next Monday night to hear The Wizard of Oz, starring Judy Garland. Stay tuned for My Friend Irma, which follows over these same stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Jaws Professional Christmas Shows Folders Alt Tab Lux Radio Theater Alt Tab Sound Forge Pro 11 Escape Escape Enter Zero Enter Menu File A Leaving Menus Save as Dialog File Name Sound 1 Edit T U E S D A Y N I G H T 1 2 1 8 Dub I T 8 P A T R I C I A S E C O N D PC. Save us. Save button. Enter. Jaws Professional. Skype status online. Alt page down. Men alt tab. Leaving menu alt tab. Alt tab. Skype trade alt tab. Sound forge pro. Li-